Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The following is a presentation of the Force Center podcast feed. Oh. 
from the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center Podcast Feed, and this episode is one of our deep dives, our Bakta Tanks of Talk. We are going to slosh around in there and discuss the Star Wars novel Shadow of the Sith. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm Ken Napsok. This is a highly anticipated, dare I say hotly anticipated book uh, leading up to its release, and now it's out, and we've had a couple weeks to sit with it, and that's when we like to sit down with all of you and discuss what we just read. That's right. We're very excited to get into it. And you're right. This has been really anticipated just by the cover. It's got Luke. Mm-hmm. It's got Lando. It's got scary mask person that we get to learn all about. So we're very excited to discuss all those characters, all those big ideas. Uh, but as always, we want to let you know that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. This week, we're recommending, hey, the book we're about to talk about, Shadow of the Sith by Mm. Adam Christopher. If you're just tuning in and you want to listen first, you can go download the book by going to audibletrial.com slash four center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash four center for your free audiobook. Give it, you know, a quick listen, a few Mm. hours, right? And then come right back here Mm. as we discuss Shadow of the Sith. As always, we like to start these uh, book reviews with warnings. Ken, can you make a warning noise? Ahuga, ahuga, ahuga. <laughs> oh, I love it. I have the it just uh it's uh, it makes me feel like I'm watching Saturday morning cartoons and like <laughs> a wolf saw pizza. I don't know. Uh anyway, that's what happens in my cartoon yeah. imagination. A wolf sees pizza and little hearts and eyes. Uh, there you go. Ahuga, ahuga. Anyway, the warning is spoilers. We do full spoiler reviews. So if you haven't read the book, haven't finished the book, and don't want spoilers, now's your last chance to get out of here. But if you are still with us, we're going to dive in. Ken, what is your big picture reaction to Shadow of the Sith? Do you love it, like it, struggle with parts? Where are you at? I was so happy to dive in. Uh, when the book came, uh, we, we are fortunate enough to get to advanced uh copies but this is because they had like pushed back the release date i had this book like a lot of folks way before the release and that normally would mean all right i'll wait till about a week before right i, I like I, i'm a procrastinator when it comes to homework <laughs> um i literally got home from the mailbox cracked it open started reading right then i was so ready for this and it delivered in a lot of ways to start off there i i think in terms of love it like it struggle with it i i think i really liked it and loved parts of it um, I think this was fast paced. It had a big start that I really loved. Like you, I think I'd started reading this before you and I had that kind of off air, like, have you, Hey, have you got, to, you haven't, you haven't got to it yet. Okay. Okay. I'm going to shut up. I'm going to shut up. Um, and then had a big emotional ending. I was really moved by a lot of the things in, in the end, both the, uh, I don't know, happier parts and definitely a lot of sad parts and somber parts and, and reflective mm-hmm. and introspective parts. And I really loved where it ended up. I, I did do feel it had a bit of a slow middle for me uh, at 464 pages or so. It was uh, one of the bigger reads in a while, uh, which mm-hmm. is fine. I don't have a problem with that. I don't need every book to be 150 pages and, you know, made for YA audiences so I can understand it easier. No, no, no. Um, but I just felt there was a, a little slow in the middle for me at times, some repeating beats, and uh, that's okay. It, it really set out, to, set out to do some big things, and I think it accomplished, accomplished it. And uh, definitely have a positive view of the overall uh, book here. Yeah, I am so intrigued by lots of your thoughts and really agree with them. Uh, yeah, you had said off air, like, there's this character that's going to pop up. And I wasn't sure how far you were into the book. And then mm. character after character that I love and am fascinated <laughs> by popped up in the book. So I was like, I got to ask Ken, which, was it Shriv? 
you don't. You know what it was? It was uh, Beaumont Ken. Okay, that's what I thought. I I yeah. did a I did an Anakin Skywalker and Phantom Menace yippee uh, when Beaumont <laughs> Ken showed up. Uh, I love the the bizarreness of that character in this moment of fleshing him out, which we will talk about. Um, yeah, I really really did enjoy this uh, book a lot. I had a lot of different emotional reactions to it. Um, yeah, like I said, you know, lucky to get it early. That beautiful cover with Luke Lando, scary mask person, uh, was staring at me and I didn't have time to read it. And then I sat down and I read it in about three sittings because I just I really want to focus on these books. Uh, So one of my first visceral reactions when I finished this book is just like, is there a way that I could send this book to Ray? To the character Ray Skywalker, <laughs> I feel it is unfair that I know all these things <laughs> yeah, about yeah. her family, about Luke and Lando. And my like main emotional reaction was, "Does Ray know this? Has Lando told her this story? You know, has yeah. she communed with Luke? Does she know all this because she needs to?" Yeah. Uh, so a part of it, like Ray, Ray as a character is obviously in the book, not yeah. uh, featured a ton, which I, I think is is appropriate. Uh, but it was so much about the legacy and about the reality that there are a ton of people who did care about her, always cared about her, always wanted to help her. And it so spoke to that theme of Ray feeling alone, wanting connection and, you know, getting to see this book of like, you have it, you have a Baba, you have a great grandmother, like uh, so many things. So that was a huge uh, emotional reaction to me uh, of the Ray part of it. Um, I'm going to pause there. Did, Did you have any reaction like that where you wanted Ray to know this? I did. I'm so glad you said that and we could discuss it up top. I spent a little bit uh, time this morning over my, you know, traditional pre-podcast English muffin uh, with some peanut butter and vegan butter on it there. Um, Going uh, through my head of when do I think Lando said, wait a minute, I know who you are. (laughs) Hey, now. (laughs) Hey, now. Come here. Come here. Uh, You know, and I'm like, because. You know, when he says uh, it rises Skywalker, you know, oh, of course you are. I forget the exact quote of when, when they said they're, you know, searching for the dagger or Ochi with all that, mm-hmm. all that stuff on a facade. I'm like, was there a moment there or was it, you know, Janet says, great, let me go get my stuff. We're going to go search for my family. Lando's just like, yeah, that's good. And then Ray sits down and he's like, by the way, um, I spent, <laughs> I spent some energy on that. I think you're right. Cause I was, I was heartbroken by some of the Ray stuff in, in a good way, uh, in mm-hmm. a good way. It, it hit home um, where you know, we'll get to the details of it, but when there's some of those final moments uh, where we know uh, and and we know that she's going to spend a lot of her life after this, these moments in this book, waiting for a family that is uh, parents that are that are already dead. Mm-hmm. Um, heartbreaking, heartbreaking. Um, but um, in that good Star Wars gut punch kind of way. Which is okay. Yeah. A lot of this was was heartbreaking, gut punching. A lot of it, this was, you know, patience for the victories in the future. Um some other things that I just really loved about this, I love fresh Jedi Master Luke Skywalker adventures. Mm-hmm. This was, there's a lot going on in this, but uh, I think it was probably my favorite thing about the book that it gave Luke a victory to have, an arc to have. Yeah, and it, yeah. it, it hints at, at, you know, the the tragedies to come, of course, but for Luke to have, to confront a disturbance in the Force and for now uh, end it. It's just great to have fresh Jedi Master Luke Skywalker adventures. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, just a pleasure to spend quality time with Lando, being very classic Lando, being very well written is Lando. Uh, and it is mm-hmm. classic Lando, but it's also Lando making a life transition, which we'll talk about in detail. Um, I also just, for me, uh, aesthetically, it, Star Wars is a buffet, it's a grab bag, it is a, many metaphors yeah, yeah. for many things. Uh, I love how much this is uh, a 
pulp <laughs> novel. It's horror. Mm-hmm. It's the sense of ancient. It's uh, it is in some ways uh, Lovecraftian. I mean, just kind of the laundry list of like spooky, weird, old stuff. You know, possessed masks, yeah. evil wraiths with uh, black lightsabers, uh, crashed ships. They're mistaken for ancient buildings. Daggers that drink blood. Serpents on diamond moons. I was like, oh, this is great. I can yeah. smell the old used bookstore. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that yeah. these ideas came out of. Um, and I just I. I I apologize for repeating it so much because, but it's just something that I'm really passionate about in Star Wars is not losing that sense of pulp and thrill and weird. And mm-hmm. this book was so much about that, that I was really thrilled by that, that side of Star Wars, that spirit of Star Wars animating so much of this book. Yeah. Look, and a lot of the the authors of Star Wars uh, books these days, I, I think have a, have a love of, of legends um, as, as a lot of people do. Uh, but love of some of those, like you're saying, the weird Lando novels that kind of confused me as a kid because I'm like, this doesn't, there's no Ewoks in this one. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> um, they're kind of bizarre, and it really worked. And we had that question about the magical and the mystical on our questions episode this week. And there's so many of those moments in this book, and and I really liked them, and and they played well. Yeah, yeah, and it's just a mood thing of just like honestly yeah. for me, just like sort of like aesthetically of like, yeah, no, like, tell me more about. <laughs> possessed masks (laughs) more evil race more serpents on diamond moons um Mm. kind of final big picture thought of a thing i loved about it is obviously this is i think both a tribute to and a fleshing out of rise of skywalker um i thought it was great that it wasn't just let's fill in the gaps about the dagger and ochi uh, but also, let's include Beaumont Kin. Let's include Enric yeah. Pride. Uh, let's really take time to see Ray's parents as people, not plot points, which isn't a criticism of Rise of Skywalker. There's only so much room, but I think that's one of the gifts that it does. Uh, and I think the book also really uh, explicitly celebrated the primary themes of Rise of Skywalker by, by frankly, just restating them putting Mm -hmm. them in other characters mouths uh to show how vital they are to the overall story of star wars things like you know you are defined by choices and spirit not blood uh there's a real sense of there are more of us let's work together uh Mm -hmm. literal uh uh moments of characters saying you are not alone (laughs) uh the way uh yoda does to ray so i really like that it was both a like uh let's clarify some of the confusing parts of the backstory of rise of skywalker but then mm-hmm. let's also celebrate it there was a sense of love did, did you get a sense of love or did you feel more the weight of let's clear yeah. up this confusing backstory uh i know I, I got a sense of love and, and look i'll be honest adam christopher's been doing the, the the media tour there hitting all the wonderful channels out there i have not really watched them because I, I don't like to watch those kind of things until i'm finished with the book so i'll go back now and maybe see you know, not that I'm expecting to say, here's where I stand and rise Skywalker. Cause you know, but like, I just felt a lot of love for it. I think you and I really preach that uh, tip of the iceberg storytelling idea. And it's no secret. You and I enjoy rise of Skywalker. We enjoy living in that movie and mm-hmm. seeing what's there for us. And I think there's so much, and this does what I would want a book to do. We, we are going back uh, to fill in some gaps of this entire era. There's so much room in the sequel era to, to go back and tell stories now. And this is what I want. I want it to look back and go, right, what can we pull from this movie? It's it, And if you want to approach it out there as, from a cynical, uh, what can we fix? And maybe occasionally there are some things you might need to fix or clean up. I get that. But I, I don't think this book does that. It's what can we pull from this? And what story can we tell from what was said in the film or what was shown in the film? And to me, that's no different 
than uh, any book that might spring up based on the original trilogy at any time in the 90s, 2000s, or now. Going, ooh, what's in there? What story can we tell? What character inspires more tales, including Lando? Oh, he owned the Falcon? Let's go back and do something with that. Mm -hmm. That was the spirit of the books in the 80s and 90s and beyond. And I think this book has a lot of that in in it as well. And and, and also, by the way, for the entire – I felt it was a little bit of reward for the entire uh, modern era, the Disney era. uh, Oh, yeah. we're going to go into those connections, but like just the f- acolytes of beyond was one of the things I've been waiting for someone to go back to uh, and to go back in a big way. I was really excited about that. That stuff kind of worked. It, it was truly tip the iceberg storytelling. And we got below the waterline here with some of the beats. Yeah. And to square the acolytes of the beyond with the Sith eternal in what was mm-hmm. a really pleasing way for me. Uh, yeah. We, we will definitely uh, get to all that stuff. Um, I think for me, the only sort of criticism that uh, uh, I would agree with you on is uh, this was maybe for me just a, a, a little bit too much of a good thing. Like in terms of I enjoyed almost every scene I was reading, but I did feel like there was a little bit of a drag on the pace of the actual plot in about halfway through the book. Um, I think part of that is just the nature of plot wise. This book is uh, constructed is a long chase with the heroes unable to catch uh, the bad guy, right? They mm-hmm. Luke and Lando aren't going to corner Ochi and, and defeat him. We know what's going to happen. And we get a little bit of balance with that, with Luke being able to really finish this journey with uh, Exum Panchard. Um, yeah. But I think the, there's so many scenes where like, man, I love everything that's happening with Lando here. I love this conversation between Luke and Lando. Hey, I like this new character in this new world, but just uh, wanting a little bit more forward movement in the actual plot. Yeah, yeah. Look, I'll say this. Uh, um, um, I really enjoyed the push. Uh, or I've enjoyed, I should say, the push towards shorter chapters in Star Wars novels, not just uh, Kenny uh, needs time to read, and that helps me. <laughs> uh, um, but it really helps with the, that, that, that pacing. And dare I say it now, that uh, pulp uh, feel, that uh, pulpy <laughs> adventure feel of Star Wars. I'll say it there for you. Uh, so I, I enjoy it. But sometimes, in the, especially in the middle, I, I wanted to jump to other storylines quicker. And other times I wanted to stay. And, and that's just... It's not even a criticism, just uh, how I, I, I felt about it at times. And then a lot of the themes and lessons didn't really land with me until the end, which I just kind of view as Adam Christopher really bringing it home in a great way. Mm-hmm. Um, they were all present through the book and I, I was engaged with them. But but I, I, I sometimes found myself just going, all right, I want to get to the next big point or the big move, uh, you know, the big forward uh, motion in the story versus eh, we're chasing again or we're running again. And. And uh, that's kind of where I was in the middle of the book. Yeah, yeah, uh, I would agree with that. But it has so much to love that a big, big picture for me, uh, especially since I sat down and like <laughs> read most of it uh, in, in mm. one sitting on one day. I think I read for like eight hours straight, uh, which may, maybe contributed to a little bit of that feeling of like, I want to I want to get to the kind of the conclusion the climaxes and and they Mm. were really really rewarding uh final thing i'll say here is just a a reminder that we sometimes lose track of these things uh i don't know if this book was always planned uh but remember adam christopher i believe wrote an entire mandalorian novel that then they decided not to do the mandalorian uh expanded uh publishing Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. then wrote this novel instead so hey look Sometimes you don't get to write a Mandalorian novel, but instead you get to write the adventures of Luke Skywalker and Lando Calrissian and Ray's parents. And I bet that felt pretty good, too.
Yeah, and that had been uh, that, that's uh, somewhat of a gear shift, right? And how fast it needed to happen, and uh, that's in, that's a uh, great point. I for, kind of forgot that. That's uh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, big deal. All right, let's get into the big ideas. What's actually being said, discussed, thought about in Shadow of the Sith? Uh, I try to break down some of the big ideas, and then Ken and I discuss them a little bit. Uh, here is one of the, what I thought was kind of the maybe the main idea is this idea of rebirth, healing, setting the past right. There's been trauma, and what's next? I think most of the characters are motivated by fixing some kind of trauma, and some of them are in a really healthy way, and some are in a dangerous, obsessive, (laughs) not-gonna-work-out way. Uh, Lando is searching for his kidnapped daughter and hoping to find some closure eventually by realizing Ray is in danger of being kidnapped and rescuing Ray from the same fate. Uh, Luke is aware and warned, you know, by his dad, uh, the spirit of Anakin Skywalker, that there is a disturbance in the force that must be set right. So it is kind of an active trauma happening in the moment, and Luke needs to find it, address it. And I think there's this uh, light touch, but there are these great moments of Luke also wrestling with his own dark side and aware that's a something he has to keep working on healing, setting right, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Ochi then is motivated to complete his mission so he can get back to Exegol and allegedly fix the injuries he suffered there. He usually, he, he literally uses the term rebirth. The Ex- yeah. Exegol is a uh, place of rebirth and I can fix my horrifically damaged face. Uh, Kiza, the acolyte of beyond, uh, is also lied to by that, you know, Sith Lord haunting her mask, Exum Panchard, that if she helps him find Exegol, she will also literally find rebirth. And even the shards of the uh, the Sith Kyber crystal are longing to be reconnected and returned to the whole on Exegol. So good guys and bad guys, this idiot simply simply are all longing to kind of make something right. Even uh, Dathan, uh, who which we learn is the name of uh, Palpatine's Strandcast's son and Ray's dad, he's running from the darkness of Exegol, and he is kind of a successful version of this, right? He has birthed something new and hopeful with his family, with his wife, Mirmer, and his uh, daughter, Ray. Uh, We also meet this new character, Komat, uh, who we learn that uh, used to be an acolyte of the beyond and was helped back from the dark side uh, by Luke. But this great picture of rebirth in healing and dealing with traumas of the past, she is living on a planet poisoned, <laughs> by a crashed Moncala ship uh, that crashed during the war, and the radiation is uh, poisoning the planet. But she is turning that radiation into something productive. She even has that room of plants. She's even turning uh, this this place of of horror uh, into something beautiful. It is actual rebirth. It's like that planet in her story is the kind of truth of rebirth. And Exegol is this lie of promising rebirth, and it just wants to take stuff from you. So uh, that was kind of how I looked at the the big picture theme in the way all these characters were approaching it. What are your overall thoughts? Does this theme work for you? Does it work on a character level, a galaxy level? Is it impactful? What do you think? Yeah, I think this is a perfectly placed theme for a Star Wars story set in this time period. The sequel trilogy, as we know, deals with a lot of the the weight, the influence, and, and the legacy of the past hanging over everyone, right? It's just kind of affecting everyone in every part of the story, some good, some bad. And that's one of the things you and I think enjoy about the sequel trilogy. Um, yeah, I know we're talking about going directly more into Rise of Skywalker, but even just looking at, you know, Force Awakens and the shadows of the past being over everyone. Um, I think it's so, so to have this story, uh, 
which would be of course set um uh be, before uh, uh well it's set before um Force Awakens, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? You know what yeah. I'm trying to say? <laughs> right, right, before right, the sequel trilogy, yeah. right, right, right in the middle there. Uh, I I think it's uh, smack right smack dab in the middle, and so I, I just really love this idea of uh you know rebirth and healing, and and we are going. The characters aren't like, hey, we're leaving the original trilogy era. Uh, they're not saying that, but that's what they're doing, and that's what we're doing as an audience with this. And so it just made a lot of sense to have that uh, repeat a few times in good and bad ways. Uh, I mean, the Ochi stuff is, is, is painful. Even his description, uh, of he, when he talks about, you know, I want to become myself again, he, he, talk, he has the memories of hearing the Kyber crystals scream out in pain, uh, and, mm. and on, on Exegol and everything. So it's just kind of the different sides of everyone transitioning. Everyone in the galaxy is transitioning between uh, two time periods. And I really like that. Yeah, no, I really like that. I believe they say it's uh, 16 years uh, mm-hmm. after uh, Endor, yeah. right? Um, yeah. Or 17 years after Endor, or 16 years after Jakku, I believe. Uh, the math is uh, always hard to keep track of for me. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is, it is. Uh, mostly I just try to remember, how old is Ben Solo right now? Yeah, um, yeah I found this really, really powerful. I think that um, it works well in the book. Uh, I love that it's really personal with like Lando and in Dathan They're They are right in the middle of it of mm. a horror has happened and that horror can, can never entirely be set right. Lando's lost all that time with his daughter. Even if he can find her, uh, Dathan will always have uh, this, the truth that he came from this really horrible place mm. and they're really striving to find like a healthy way forward through this trauma so that's really really relatable on a personal level and then i think like with luke and with comat those are two characters who are kind of um shouldering the burden of the large-scale tragedy right Mm -hmm. of Mm -hmm. we're coming out of this uh, galactic war and even though we won and even though we probably believe is a war that needed to be fought to stop palpatine and stop the empire it's still a scar. You know, I love that it's a Mon Cala ship, right? That's, mm. that's poisoning that planet. Cause it's just sort of like, how can we rebuild? Like the tragedy happened, this massive galaxy wide tragedy happened. Mm. How can we gently move? Our, how can we totally accept it? Do not look away from it, but find a way forward. Right. Mm. And, mm. and Luke is kind of, he's bearing that brunt of looking back at uh, centuries of, mm-hmm you know, the Sith and the Jedi and what his father did uh, and trying to find this gentle, healthy way forward, keep everything in balance, (laughs) not ignore the dark side. And Komet's so not ignoring the dark side. Like, this planet is poisoned. I'm going to make the best of it. (laughs) It's a great analogy. And I think for me, all of that is very um, relatable because I'm literally middle-aged and and I'm at the age (laughs) where I have to look at, like, there are some mistakes or some things that have passed that I can't change. That's a trauma mm. and I I can't fix it. I have to live with it and not let it, you know, uh, eat away at my soul. And I think uh, I, I and many people have this uh, strange experience of we are going through, you know, middle age at the same time that this pandemic just happened on such a, mm. a grand scale, a global scale. And many people have described it psychologically, the pandemic, as a massive uh, midlife crisis for the globe, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You you got rocked. Things changed. There's some things you can't go back for. But now how are you going to move forward? Are you going to mm-hmm. accept that it happened, accept that it's still happening, work with it? Or are you just going to go, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, could, I could just plow forward. 
So without getting yeah. too much into into real life stuff, <laughs> that is one of the reasons that it felt so relatable because I think we're so many of us are dealing with our own personal mm-hmm. traumas that we need to move on from. And we're also dealing with many, many massive global traumas that we need to find our way out of. I, that's a, that's a wonderful connection to the big picture in our own lives, but you also did the smaller one. I kind of, you know, I forget I'm middle-aged. It doesn't feel like times <laughs> it does. I still feel like I'm 14 ready just to play video games all day uh, working through that. But yeah, no, I think that's why I connected to it, especially, especially Lando. Uh, there's some big stuff with Lando that I just absolutely loved. Um, but uh, yeah, the combat stuff is really powerful and, and beautiful. Uh, she has this uh, description of, of uh, the planet there that she says to Lando, the, the uh, polar, the, the planet is a desert, the product of a war, a planet that will, will remain as a terrible warning forever, but is also a place of peace, knowledge of, the, of its past, centering the mind, helping you understand what you must do now and what uh, you can let sleep in your mind. The desert helps you forget. I, it was a beautiful, beautiful uh, description at the end that really kind of struck a chord with me. Uh, connected to a lot of things you're talking about there. Yeah, no, that was like the perfect quote uh, mm. that I didn't pull. <laughs> so thank you <laughs> to support exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. Let's move on to Lando. What was most effective to you about Lando's journey toward healing or rebirth? And, and did he succeed in your mind? And if so, how how did Lando rebirth himself? Uh, you know, I, in the beginning, he's really sets this, I, by the way, I want to say too, right now, Adam, I thought Adam Christopher, uh, nailed, uh, the voice of Lando. The, the, I thought that was yeah. his, some of his best writing. Uh, Luke is very hard to write. I think, uh, I think there's been some documented, uh, challenges in, in how to write Luke and, and, and that has a lot to do with just Mark Hamill himself, just embodying that character. Mm-hmm. So, th- so thoroughly, but, and, and I love the Luke stuff in here to be clear, but the Lando stuff really sang and I really loved it. And it starts even on page uh, 59 is where, where you get a lot of the stuff early on with him and how just so much of what's going on with him is, is, is guilt with the disappointment came guilt and, and, and guilt uh, being such a, a, a powerful uh, a thing that can weigh us all down. So for his journey to start there, I think he does uh, succeed. I think he succeeds in a bittersweet way to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and look, there's a benef- benefit of us knowing where he's at in Rise of Skywalker, right? He still hasn't found his daughter. Um, we know the journey still continues. A lot of the energy now might be passed on, you know, from him to Jana and others as he helps them um, mm-hmm. go forward. And so that, that is kind of a, a good way to look at it there. But I really liked the peace he was seeking at the end of it, even more than the peace he found, if that makes sense. And, and mm-hmm. kind of knowing that that was where he ends up where this starts, starts with this horrible pain, trauma, guilt that does not, you know, he doesn't turn the corner and find Kadara Cal Carisian. He doesn't, she's not there. We know that. Um, and he finds a way to go forward. Uh, and again, that desert stuff, the stuff with Coleman at the end, I, I really like that. And even him and, 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 the Lando showing up for us as Skywalker was just great fun and loved it. I really loved some of my favorite parts of that movie. And he, he brings, mm-hmm. he's there for some of the big emotional punches, the stuff with Poe over uh, Leia's uh, uh, deathbed. Uh, there's more of us, Poe, more of us. We love, we love, I love that Lando stuff. It can bring, bring me, me too. To, yeah. Bring me to tears sometimes. But, you know, we had kind of learned, well, he ended up on Pisana and that's just where he kind of stopped. And, um, there is a little bit of, um, you, you and I really connect with uh, Lando's part of, part of the big rise of Skywalker theme is I am, I'm this, I'm, I'm the old guy whose flying days are done and mm-hmm. you can push past that. And, and what your past is, doesn't have to define you. So he, where we picked up with him in rise of Skywalker, um, this book really helped me understand it even more. And know that he's still got some searching left to do. We'll talk about that for future storylines. But he ends up on Pasana with some purpose. But also by the time we see him, 
you know, he's, he's still racked with some of the things going on. So he's still searching for that piece. And that connects really, really well to Rise of Skywalker for me. Yeah, no, I I love all that. I, I Lando is extremely well written. There's a lot of joy in Lando. We get to have fun uh, with this mm-hmm. charming, distinctive character while also letting us see a different Lando, a Lando that's truly, truly haunted. Yeah. Um, and I feel like uh, there's the the great bookends in this book of Lando at the beginning. It feels like Lando is going through the motions, trying to be old Lando. Like he's yes, yes. he's on a specific mission. There is a strategy to it. Of I, I'll hang out and I'll you know mm-hmm. pick up uh you know some whispers and rumors, and in a plot way that works. But for you know it, it works for him. He he gets a clue and he's off on yeah. his adventure. But the way that whole Sabak. <laughs> Mm-hmm. scene is written it's really charming and it's really funny but it's sad it is yeah. like you're you're in your 40s and you try to have a party like you did in your 20s because you kind of miss it but then when you go and do it you're like but it's not the same because it's not me anymore but i'm not yeah. but i don't know who new me is it, yeah. it really had that vibe for like his internal life at the beginning so at the end when he's got he slows down. Lando's not a guy to slow down. You know, he's making deals. He's on the move. He's pulling a yeah. fast one, right? He's yeah. got a fast ship. He's got a new cape. You know, yeah. new, new, new. Let's go with the times and forced to slow down there at the end mm-hmm. and appreciate, oh, maybe it's okay to slow down. Maybe it's okay to change a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that whole everything with Comat, the desert makes you forget. And I love the very end where he, he decides to say I'm Pasana because like you're saying, I feel like he's not saying I'm not going to keep searching. I haven't searched yeah. this area, but I need to slow down. I don't need to go mm-hmm. to every Sabak table, you know? Yeah. Uh, it, the end feels very much like it's bittersweet, but it is how Lando got his groove back. And I love yeah. that it ends with him, that the whole book ends with him still being Lando but also changing the fact that he's, uh, you know, recording the Calrissian Chronicles and he is doing his mm-hmm. uh, fun exaggeration, uh, more myth-like telling of the adventure we just read. But he also decides, yeah, you know, audio is fine. It, there's that, <laughs> like, calm down. Don't need to have my face in it. There's yeah. this, just this evolution of, like, I'm ready to calm down a little bit. I'm ready to be a little bit more reflective. I really think you and I connected to, to Lando over the idea that, you know, maybe you just need to take a nap for a week. And, <laughs> you know, I know we're going to th- show our faces a little bit more on YouTube, Four Center's uh, YouTube channel, but eh, audio is fine for us. <laughs> I'll show <laughs> my face. This really a screen. vindication of Lando Calrissian said, yeah, YouTube's not everything. <laughs> uh, and I lo- but I love, uh, it's not just a fun reference and it's a deep cut reference to, I was, God bless Alex Damon who had a you know field day with all this. We're going to go through some of the connections, but it's like, it's issue 73 of the original Marvel run, the double jeopardy. I mean, that's a deep cut reference and you can stop there, but I just love Lando looking at his old episode and being like, I don't even know who that is anymore. He's basically, he's looking at Donald Glover going, that guy was cool. I don't, I'm different now. <laughs> I'm yeah, different. That's, uh- I've been through some things I got to evolve. Yeah. yeah. So I feel like he he had this successful sort of uh, uh, realization uh, that he does need to change in, in the beginnings of it. But yeah. I also do think that he had a he had an emotional victory uh, for me of like, obviously, the, the, this book is is challenging in some ways because he can't win. He can't, um, you know, if, if this was an isolated story, right. not connected to a movie. Maybe he'd rescue whoever this Ray girl is um, and have a bittersweet victory of like, but I, well, I saved her. Um, 
but I didn't get to say my daughter, maybe next time. But knowing that he can't even do that, it sets up this right. like, okay, well, what's going to happen here? Yeah. And I think it, 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 it's kind of, it's some canon dancing, right, of how close can they get, mm-hmm. um, how close can Luke and Lando get to uh, Ray and her parents. But I did feel like it was this emotional victory that Dathan and Miramir just knew they weren't alone, knew some guy named Lando Calrissian was whispering mm-hmm. to them, <laughs> Yeah, you know, that I see you, you're valued. There are good people in the galaxy. We do want to help you. Mm-hmm. That it really tied into that that Star Wars theme, but Rise of Skywalker theme of you are not alone, right? And yeah. a character like Dathan, who is like, can we trust anyone? Is my past always going to haunt me? And, you know, Miramir trying to encourage him, like, yes, there are good people. You are not, you know, mm. uh, defined by where you were born. You're defined by your choices. And I feel like Lando validates to them that more hopeful perspective that they die with. That's a great point on, 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 on a little bit of the victory in Lando's storyline and the overall storyline. Again, because, uh, you know, the author, Adam Christopher, is working with what we already know and we know where we're going. And, and you know, it's always about the journey that's easy to say, but sometimes it's hard to execute. And that what the victory had to be internal, right? The victory mm-hmm. had to be inside the heart and soul and minds of these characters. And that's a, a great example of, of one of the ways it worked really well. Yeah, yeah. So in contrast, let's talk about a character who did get to have a bit of an external victory, which is mm-hmm. Jedi Master Luke Skywalker. Hey, uh, right. <laughs> Luke successfully ends the threat of the Sith Lord in a mask, Exum Panshard. Uh, do you think Luke was was changed by this experience? Did he achieve any healing or rebirth or setting the past right? How did you feel about that? Mm, this is, uh, I'll say a lot of this a lot about a lot of what I'm about to say ends with question marks. All right. I'll just say that. Okay. <laughs> and I'll use the word wonder. I, I, I think, look, there was a, there was a victory, right. And there's a, I think a great lightsaber fight uh, mm-hmm. on, on page. I think that's hard to do on the, on the page is, is to, for me, at least I, I find myself often just going, I mean, I'll wait till the movie version comes out. Uh, I thought there was some great lightsaber fighting in this, uh, in this book. I really loved it. I just, um, so I think there was there was there was a victory, and I think there's a lot of him, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, finding a way to move forward, all that good stuff. But uh, I was really drawn to Luke at the end. I, I just wonder if he started to if he's starting to become haunted, not literally, not with a mask, though <laughs> he does possess it at the end, right, from a certain point of view. I was just drawn to him. Uh, I, again, he was successful, um, but there is just something lingering, right, and something he fully doesn't understand, and, and he gets out of his flight too because he's no he he knows he's not done. But I, I'm like, how much from here does this build into fear? Does this build build into frustration and a sense of foreboding? And and so because of that, Luke remains kind of a wonderful, delicious mystery to me, even though we mm-hmm. spent some quality time with him. And it was fun to spend time with Luke in this era. So, yes, I think there's some uh, great things he experienced. I think there was some, some healing, um, all that kind of stuff, especially with the Sith. Uh, but I love where this book kind of ends with him kind of – he can't even – explain it's like me trying to explain some of my points luke's there to go into lando like I, 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 there's something there there's something there i can't i can't figure it out there's like a nothing uh the the, the void the nothing the silence is big through this book it pops up a lot mm-hmm. um and i just kind of like that in a way because i want more of the storytelling from this era right so uh i i felt to move luke forward in different ways yeah i love it it's the there's that great passage where luke talks about the different ways to feel uh or he thinks about the different ways to feel the dark side and like felt the raging fire of of his father when he was darth vader right and felt Mm -hmm. the icy cold of palpatine and i like that that picture of the dark side as like 
it's nihilism. It's a void. It's nothing, right? When you yeah. get to the heart of it, at the end of the day, it's it's the absence of light. It's the absence of life. It's nothing. Uh, and I love Luke, uh, this just absolute champion of the light, being haunted by nihilism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I loved a lot of the action. I thought Luke was, uh, I think Luke was really well-written. Um, I, yeah. I could hear all those lines out of like, there were those flashes of a uh, charming farm boy Luke as Lando describes him, but it yeah. was like centered Jedi master, uh, the, the, you know, the young man who failed cause he thought it was all about adventure and excitement. And it's now like, I got an F on one test. I will get a pluses <laughs> for the rest of my life on everything. I just love that. That is his energy. That is his strength. Mm-hmm. And that is the cracks that appear is, is, needing to never fail anyone, needing to never make a mistake, needing to be, you know, the most serious, the most dedicated. And I felt like that the charm of Luke was there and that, uh, that virtue and that flaw uh, of needing to, to do the right thing always was really, really there. um, Yeah. Throughout this. Yeah, go for it. No, I just, I love what you're saying here. And I love some of the the interactions with Ben show a lot about that. And like, am I doing right? I'm I'm making him say this and making him say that. Do I have him cut his hair or not? Just there's a lot going on with the the weight of his shoulders. What's so hard is uh, to, to, to do is a lot of the Luke we've seen outside of, um, well, even last Jedi, but, but outside of the, the films, uh, whether it be Mando, whether it be video games, the Battlefront 2 stuff, Luke is right. Luke is, Luke isn't the farm boy. There's not a lot of jokes and laughter with Luke. There's, there's, uh, seriousness, this was serious mind, all those kind of things. And I love that. Uh, so that therefore I think it's kind of hard, right? You're just writing this dour space wizard guy sometimes, uh, even though I love that about Luke, but I love some of the, the flashes of, of what I felt was a little bit of old Luke, a little bit of uh, Luke, uh, you know, when Han runs off and says, Hey, it's me and him kind of looking at Leia. Like I felt some of that energy from Luke. And I think Adam Christopher did a good job with that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And Lando's a great character to bring that out. And so is Ben. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> ben yeah. Solo in those great, uh, great uh, chapters. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think for me, Luke's journey is this knowledge that the dark side is always there. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I like this uh, passage in particular where he really acknowledges it. Uh, Luke uh, says, uh, is thinking, he was a Jedi. His commitment to the ways of the Order ran deep. Yes, it was true he had power, but his connection to the Force was not a thing to covet. He had a responsibility mm. to wield that power with care and restraint, every use of it taking him one step away from the darkness that he knew, despite everything, still lingered in his heart, uh, It perhaps, is it perhaps did in the hearts of all sentient beings. Every action, one step toward the light. So it, it seems like, you know, 16, 17 years into being Jedi Master Luke Skywalker, having a, a thriving school, uh, having tried to teach Leia. Nope. Tried to teach Grogu. Nope. <laughs> yeah. uh, going through all of the things that he's done, that he's he's coming to this sort of acceptance of this is absolutely an always battle. Um, mm-hmm. So how do I manage that in every moment of every day? My darkness is there. The galaxy's darkness is there that there's a real like sense of like, if I slip, I could make a choice that I'm really not okay with. Mm. And I feel like uh, this whole book seeing these people who are absolutely warped um, by the promise, the lie of the dark side of we'll fix everything. We'll give yeah. you power. You'll be able to vengeance. will fix everything, you know, Ochi right. and Kiza and Exum and Panchard. And I love that the final vision of that fight is uh, Luke trying Mm. To use the force for good, right? Pulling the mask away. 
and the mask flips at the last minute of going like, but what if you gave in, right? Mm-hmm. What if, what if you mm-hmm. took, what if you let the dark side become you? And then Luke uses, you know, a red and a green blade to destroy the mask. It's like a cool beat. It's a cool victory because Luke Skywalker won, right? Yeah. But it allows that question mark because it is just like his father with the, uh, the red blade and the blue blade, the decision to cut Dooku's head, right? It, mm-hmm. it has some good Star Wars poetry with that image. Mm-hmm. I mean, he uses the red blade and the green blade. He destroys the mask and it's a victory in this moment, but it's almost like this, he's sitting more with this realization of mm-hmm. red blade in one hand, green blade in the other, of like the darkness is always, always, always there. And I think at the end of the book, he's just like, he's a little shaken by it, right? There's the yes, yes. the passage at the end was like, I, that that darkness, that void, that horror, the visions, all of that, I know the disturbance mm. in the force that my father warned me about. It was this mask and mm. I stopped it. Uh, and mm. yet I'm still kind of haunted by it because it's this wound and it's going to take a long time to heal uh, yeah. this wound in the force. And it does set him on on the path, I think, towards, you know, what is happening to him in the sequel trilogy. That it's yes. this really, really heavy weight to, to live every moment of every day going, there's horrible darkness everywhere, including inside myself. Can't break for even a second. Can't break mm-hmm. for even a second. And that, to me, is the great, his great tragedy with Kylo and why he is so hard on himself. Because he broke for a second. For, he ignited that blade for a second. And it then it's like, of course that's wrong and turned it off. It's the one second. It's, yeah. And I feel like it, it builds to that really well. I, yeah, and you use the uh, the term, uh, the, the weight, the weight, the weight on. I, can you just imagine, going back to what I was saying about Haunted, going forward with this and just knowing that any step's the wrong step. So I got I to gotta look down on, on the ground every time. The pressure, the weight, it just kind of adds to what we learned about him in The Last Jedi for me. For me. Uh, it just... Um, what was going through his head all the time. And I love what you're saying. Hey, look at me. Got a victory. Man, that doesn't feel like a victory. <laughs> it feels like there's more <laughs> things to come. Uh, and that's kind of the burden of a Jedi, right? Uh, that's kind of what they're, they're always uh, there for that. They always have to be there for that. And yeah. Tough. And the risk of getting too cocky, right? And, and mm-hmm. I mean, that's sort of portrayed a little bit in the Rise of Kylo Ren comic book. That's certainly what Luke says about himself in The Last Jedi. So it's to see him in this place of like, I have uh, massive amounts of power. Got to be real careful with it. Don't want to get cocky, but I do have a responsibility. I have to act. Uh, you, you really, to me, is a justice for the Jedi, for the philosophy of the Jedi. Of the philosophy, Luke yeah. is trying to find this this uh, balance at all times. Yeah, and just looking at other folks saying, "Great, uh, we need a hero," like a great pop song. We need a hero, and him just going, "Man, that's a, <laughs> that's that's a, that's a burden. <laughs> that's a burden." Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's just a one way to look at Luke's story in the sequels, but, uh, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And there's some great stuff. Uh, I love this passage on page, uh, 366, where you stop being talking about really having to stop, uh, Exum Panchard mm-hmm. in that mask, uh, you know, in, in talking about all the people that, that died to, to give Exum that dark power and, yeah. you know, Luke owed it to them. Uh, it was not revenge or punishment, but justice. Some good, good Jedi philosophy there. And yeah. I agree with you. I think uh, I liked all the lightsaber action, but that fight, again, sounds like he's fighting on a David Bowie song, Serpents <laughs> on a Diamond Moon. <laughs> Luke Skywalker had a fight in a David Bowie song title. <laughs> Loved it. Uh, on the Diamond Moon, fighting <laughs> serpents with blades. Yeah. <laughs> the Sorry, dark fans, mask man. turns. The dark <laughs> mask turns. Oh, David Bowie. Uh, love, uh, rest love, love, love. in power. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Of all the other characters wrestling with uh, rebirth and healing, who or what landed with you the most? 
Um, I'm, I'm building to date in a mirror mirror, but I want to touch upon Comat uh, 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 and, and her presence just being very unique and ends up being unique. And I'll say this. It started with uh, when we first uh, go meet her, I had a little bit of a personal reaction of, ah, you know, another kind of mysterious, mostly masked, quiet character. I think we've seen a lot of those in, in Star Wars novels. And I don't mean that as a bad thing, but I just kind of was like, Mm-mm. OK, here we go again. And it, I don't know, it just, tra- it, it, it was such a great job. The, the character really uh, transitioned uh, over the course of the story to, to just more than that. Um, and uh, it was something very peaceful, something very sobering to her story. This idea that maybe, I don't know, the path to redemption doesn't always mean you, uh, you know, emerge unchanged, you know, like, yay, everyone's forgiven me. I'm great. <laughs> like there's some weight to it and you need to still kind of learn from it. But going forward, again, going back to what we're describing, um, as she even describes her, her own planet where she's where she is right now. Um, so, yeah, that was unique. Love that. Um, uh, also, I'll say Ochi, um, <clears throat> his I mean, he's just straight up saying it. around page 46 or so is where he's just like, I want to be healed. My eyes were burned. My lips were burned. All those horrible things. I, I, I witnessed the, the shards of the crystals screaming out in pain. And I've been promised if I go to Exegil, Exegil you know, it is a rebirth. It's, it's healing. He's like saying this stuff. But then the mm-hmm. acolytes, or not the acolytes, but the, the cultists are, are presenting this idea, that the, the healing is something he has to earn. And I'm not saying that he has to work for or try like a, a good concept of, hey, earn it. It's, it's, it's presented as you need to win this right. Then mm-hmm. you've earned it. You need to do this. Then you can get to be uh, to, to 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 heal. And and it is the exact opposite of what Comat is uh, has experienced and went through. Um, so I love those two kind of dual uh, presences in the story. Yeah, no, I absolutely love that. And yeah, you, you get the sense that if if Ochi had uh, captured Ray and brought her back, eh, I think there probably would have been one more task and one more task and one more <laughs> yeah, task, yeah. right? <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Uh, yeah, Colmat was huge for me, and and I agree with you. At first, it was like, okay, I feel like we've seen this kind of kind of character, uh, Karos yeah. in in uh, Alphabet Squadron, came to mind. Yep, um, yep, yep. But then learning that the whole truth of the character, the acolyte of beyond who Luke rescued and mm-hmm. seeing that purified white blade and seeing that like, Hey, uh, I am living on a symbol of the cost of war, but I'm going to slowly make it better. And I live in solitude, but okay, cool. I'll also be flexible about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There are a lot of things I just liked about the character. I would like the character if Luke wasn't in this book, but I have to be honest also as, you know, a longtime Luke Skywalker fan, it was fun to spend time with somebody Luke Skywalker saved with yeah. somebody who is a victory in life because of the light of Luke Skywalker. That was really cool. I think um, that's a great point. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I really loved Ochi and I know his, this character got established in, in the Vader comics of him being this kind of <laughs> mm. cocky weirdo. Uh, I also can I, love, can I just say, Ochi's a prick. I'm just going to say, it. okay, sorry to young. He's just a, and, and I love to hate him. Yeah, he is. He's just, he's just a D bag, <laughs> right? He's just, he kind of works. He's like, he's this great space fantasy, scary Jedi hunter with yeah. a terrifying face and a dagger that drinks blood. And he's also just like, Ah, I don't, is, is that guy going to be at the party? Then I'm not going. Yeah, no, because we, 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 when Lando, you know, he's at the bar just being that 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 a hole, <laughs> and, and just we've all been there. We're like, could this guy stop with his Star Wars takes? Like Jesus, like this guy's driving me crazy. And I'm just trying to sit here in the corner and play Pac Man at the bar. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so I I loved everything about Ochi. I also just I love Enric 
pride. He, he gets to be in the film yes. very uh, a very small amount in Rise of Skywalker and played yeah. performed so well and just uh, I, I think this the tip of the iceberg storytelling as I served you in the old wars you know I'll serve you mm-hmm. again all that uh, but I thought as as two characters who are who are got this dark vision of rebirth of uh, I will get back what's mine because hey you know pride wants the empire back uh, the first yeah. order um, I I almost looked at it as like this meme where Ochi and pride are shaking hands and you know then the, mm. you see the text of what they're shaking hands over and mm. the thing that they're agreeing on as they shake hands is uh isn't it great to be bitter lonely drunks desperate for validation <laughs> like they're so star wars mm. that mm. the, the ramrod straight military guy enric pride Stem who looks sash, down yeah. his nose literally at everybody and oh gee, yeah. scary jedi hunter and you, you scrape back all of the fun star wars layers and they're these very real people of just like you are sad, lonely, literal alcoholics, just desperate <laughs> yeah. for to be seen and to have everybody point at you and go, they're they're awesome. They're better than me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I, I love that. Uh, did you want to talk a little bit about uh, Ray's parents? Yeah, it was kind of big for me. Nathan uh, and Miramir, uh, built-in tragedy, uh, but you're kind of rooting for him. And, and, and follow me on this here. In a weird way, it was, I saw this, a little bit of, a, of an immigrant story. My father and his family came to America mm-hmm. in 1951 and uh, just recently lost my grandfather and my uh, my grandmother and my grandfather before that. Uh, and they, you know, fled from the Russian government and uh, came over here to start a new life. And so this idea of just trying to leave where you came from to start a new life, to do it for yourself, to do it for your children, to do it for the future and often have to do it on your own, despite others attempting to help or saying their help. And I love what you're saying of just there, there was this feeling of help. We're not alone, but they're, they're still having to do so much on their own. And, um, and so despite knowing the end, I was just rooting for the family to get to the promised land mm-hmm. and that promised land being some sort of uh, safe future, this idea to start over. Um, more than you're right. It was a, when, when the uh, news came out that, Hey, you're going to, we got the names of her, her parents. They're in this story. That could easily be a checklist thing. Uh, you, you talked about in rise of Skywalker. They're kind of a, they're a plot point and, and, and without a doubt. Um, but now we spent time with them and, and that sang for me as well. And I really connected it with uh, on that personal level for me. Yeah, no, I think they in some ways are the victors of this theme that we're talking about of, mm-hmm. of rebirth, right? Cause it's, it's literally, uh, Dathan saying, I'm not going to be trapped by the trauma of my origins. I am going to reach out. I'm going to make connection. I'm going to build to the future. I mean, it, it's not even remotely subtle. They, he lets himself, uh, experience connection, joy, love, hope in that connection literally births a person who's going to help save the galaxy. Mm-hmm. And at this point in the story, uh, we don't know the rest of Ray's story. How many times does she save the galaxy? How yeah. much hope does she inspire? All because this, these two people, Dathan and Miramar, uh, were ready to face the awful truth and find a way to be hopeful and forward moving within that. Yeah, no, well said. And, you know, where, again, where, where it emerges from, even just down to the planet, down to what a horrible home planet to have to live in. Oh, my God, what fun yeah. did he have as a kid? Uh, just to, to see what comes out of that and to see, again, like, yeah, how you say, how you approach it and how you build it and how you, how you work towards hope and it comes out of connections, all those things. That was really powerful for me and one of my favorite things of the book. Uh, some, of their t- some of the times with just the stuff going on around them is when I've most felt like I'd like to move forward in the novel. But I still like spending time with them. You know, I learned so much about them uh, and, and I enjoyed that part of it. 
Yeah, I like the I like their memories. I like their the scenes of their past. I like their connection and interactions. Like I almost like the the just the kind of the small quiet moments. And yeah, and, and then some of the plot was almost a little bit bittersweet because like uh, this isn't going to work out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's get to the part where it doesn't work out. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, Want to talk about another big idea in the book, which is just this sense of the ancient awakening. Right. There's mm-hmm. a lot in this book that's about the past refusing to stay dead, as the spirit of you know. Anakin Skywalker says uh, about this disturbance in the force, it is a shadow cast long from an ancient time. Even in the realm of the force, Anakin Skywalker talks in a really melodramatic way, which he's done (laughs) since he was a child, Mm -hmm. um, which I love. But it's just such a theme statement to me of it is a shadow cast long from an ancient time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Exegol, this ancient lost planet, is really the pulsing core of this book. Everybody wants to uh, get to it or get away from it. Uh, Multiple characters see visions of it. Um, Exum Panchard's ancient evil is resurfacing. And Exum Panchard's whole story is like... um, the uh the plot of the sequel trilogy right it's mm-hmm. uh this is happening with exum and the readers know the characters don't but the readers know that palpatine the first order the final order all are plotting to do the same kind of reemerge uh and, and do harm to the galaxy uh we learn that the acolytes of the beyond are basically uh antique hunters but of evil <laughs> yeah uh beaumont kin we get to meet and he's digging up sith crystals and crashed ancient spaceships uh luke and lore santeca we already know this but the book spends a, a bunch of time about how much they their whole thing is finding remnants of the past so this entire book is all about digging up the past in the ancient awakening what is the power of that to you uh does it affect you? And if so, how does the idea of the ancient awakening affect you? I think it's it's thematically valuable to the overall Star Wars saga. As we keep saying, it's one of the big themes of the sequel trilogy. So this kind of helps um, helps uh, helps it build towards that, right? Like, I, you know, there would be a, there would be a, a situation where years from now, I might suggest someone, oh, you haven't seen uh, Star Wars yet? Cool. Well, read this before you go to seven, eight, nine, and you might mm. just really pick up on themes. Uh, in, in all three of those films. So I think it's just uh, very valuable, um, the ancient awakening, both in a, in a threat, but also what's there. So I, but I, I just think it's also a powerful lesson for all of us, uh, whether that ancient is, is some form of evil, evil or the oppression, the constant grab for power by the powerful, or whether it's the things in our past that don't just uh, go away, right? They have to be defeated or lived with, or um, you have to grow with them or grow from them. So this hangs over a lot of the story. I thought it was really valuable and interesting down to, like you said, digging or Santega, Luke searching, uh, acolytes beyond obsessed with the past. Love that. Having them back. Love all that. And uh, it's all valuable to the overall saga. Yeah, no, it is really, uh, I think explicitly connected to, uh, the sequel trilogy, Ray literally growing up in that graveyard of the past. Um, and, and that, uh, that lesson too of, um, Ancient evils aren't always ancient. They are the mm-hmm. the same lust for power is going to emerge and people are going to try to control others uh, and glorify themselves by taking others' power. Um, so there, there's definitely like some big life lessons. Uh, mm-hmm. But also for me, I think just in terms of mood, <laughs> yeah. aesthetic, um, this sense of the ancient awakening in this mysterious past 
that's a big part of my uh, attraction to uh, the original Star Wars trilogy and A New Hope in particular. Uh, I talk a lot about, you know, A New Hope being in particular being this mashup of the old and the new. There's so much mm-hmm. about it that was very new at the time, but it was, you know, in, in kind of an old ancient fantasy story freshened up for the 1970s. Yeah. Um, and there's so much in the film that that invites you to wonder about the mysterious past. It's, you know, mm. it's a long time ago, you know? Uh, I always talk about when Obi-Wan says, that's a name I haven't heard in a long time, and there's this mysterious trill of something awakening, mm. of the way Tarkin talks about that ancient religion, and we can all make her jokes about, like, yeah, it turns out it's 19 years, mm. mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and all that. But for me, growing up with the original trilogy, there was this sense of, oh, wow, there's so much history, and you never know how you're tied to it or how it might emerge. There's a sense, I just love that sense of mystery that there's there, we're connected to things that we don't even know happened. Mm. And there's so much to be discovered. I just really like that sense of mystery being a part of Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it, it being something that's always going to be there, right? It's always going to be there. Yep. And, and, yep. and going, even going back to some of the discussions around even Force Awakens. Now, I, visually, I could understand maybe you want more than X Wings and yeah. TIE Fighters and that kind of stuff. We talked about that too. But just the concept of what JJ was even saying going to the Force Awakens of, yeah, you know, the, 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 the old evils, even our own world, they still exist. They're still there. And what if they came back to a big degree, uh, to, a, to, a, to a dangerous level? Uh, yeah. I think that's valuable to Star Wars. Absolutely. Which leads me to a very important question, Ken. If you were Luke Skywalker, would you spend so much time collecting remnants of the past? Yeah, totally. I Yeah, <laughs> I would. Um, I like going to a museum every now and then. Um, makes It makes sense to someone trying to rebuild a new order, right? Makes mm-hmm. sense for someone trying to keep ancient evils at bay, but also we got... Um, uh, the past itself. So, uh, yeah, I, I think I, I still like that. And still, I think I, I might also be uh, partial to the idea of more lore and Luke stories where he and Laura Santeca and are, are, are going around the galaxy collecting these things. And we've been talking about that since uh, episode seven, right? That's been mm-hmm. something we've all loved. So to actually get a taste of that here was really intriguing. So uh, the Pilio, uh, you know, compass, all that stuff. I, I really do like it. And I think there's potentially a great purpose behind Luke needing to do that. Uh, and and uh, wanting to do that too. Yeah, I just, I love this story because it is Luke trying, I think, to have a healthy relationship with the past, right? Mm-hmm. He is trying to find the entirety of the past. He is trying to find uh, dark side relics to not only contain them, but to understand what they are, you know, to understand mm-hmm. what the evil is, to truly, truly face the evil and know it. But then he's also trying to find all the Jedi stuff, right? To build from what was good and not just say the past is good or bad. It is both. And mm-hmm. what what do we need to make sure we don't repeat? And what can we learn from? Uh, and I think that's why he's trying to do it. And then on top of it, I yeah, I love all this stuff with Luke and Lore and their relationship. But I also just, uh, as somebody who has uh, worked at museums, uh, my wife has worked at museums or historic houses most of our married life. Uh, we are preservationists at heart. Uh, we love old restaurants. There's just something about like, Luke is like a museum nerd, right? That he's in a fight possibly for his life to stop this horrific dark side presence. And he's like, but I can't let the books burn. Yeah. <laughs> that I was like screaming at the book, like, do it, do it. Uh, try to rescue those ancient texts from the fire. He's like, yeah, it's like, he's kind of, he's kind of a museum nerd, right? Like he, yeah. he'd go to museums and go like, mm. are the temperature settings right for this collection? Cause the temperature is supposed to be exactly <laughs> this for the collection. Like, no, he's a history nerd. And I love it. 
I love it. And, and, and you put them on the ups ends of uh, the acolytes of beyond, especially back in the day where, where they're, they're going around trying to collect all that stuff for uh, nefarious reasons without a doubt. And uh, I think that's uh, works for me as well. Seeing the difference. Yeah. And there was a light touch on the book. We didn't spend a lot of time on it, but I think Luke's desire to find the Sith uh, relics and mm-hmm. understand them. Uh, there was a great contrast to like the rest of the galaxy doesn't want to look behind. Right. Um, mm, mm. In Beaumontkin's uh, uh, dig site, we have that uh, professor, uh, the, the bird guy at Clarka, yes. uh, who says on page 89, the occult and the arcane have no place in the halls of lurked his- historical Institute. Why the very thought of it. Right. And then mm. on page 150, the new Republic officer, Lieutenant Ziegler, uh, says the the Sith are extinct. I'm sorry to speak out of turn, man, but that kind of talk is dangerous. Like mm. this is what leads to the sequel trilogy. Right. This is the mm-hmm. like the Empire can't come back. The Sith are a myth. Let's just wipe it all. No, 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 no. It's we we don't talk about that in proper halls of power. And Luke being like, no, we have to. So it doesn't repeat. And like. Eklarka and Lieutenant Ziegler, they're the problem, in my opinion. You know, it's almost as if you go to a tour of a historical site and they try to give you the entire picture of the person that lived on that historical <laughs> site, and you're like, nope, 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 nope. And you nope. can't erase it. You have to learn from nope. it and build, build from that. Exactly, exactly. And then I do like at the very end that that Luke's uh, like, okay, well, th- the spirit of Exum is out of this mask, but what am I going to do with the shards? Oh, I'll ask Lore if they uh, should go in my museum or be destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so in contrast uh, to the ancient awakening, uh, Dathan really wants to get away from Exegol. Uh, Luke mentions it should stay uh, uh, hidden. Uh, and we get a passage on page 142 of Lando not liking nostalgia. I, mm. I wanted to share that one. Lando says, history. It wasn't something Lando dwelled on. Not before, certainly not now. He had never understood nostalgia, how people could get so caught up in their own past period. Uh, land uh, their own past. Uh, Lando had always looked to the future, to a destiny he could control, not a past he would regret. A future that had been shattered utterly by the abduction of his daughter. How do you feel about the hero's uh, uh, response to the ancient? Obviously, the uh, the bad guys all want to dig it up. Uh, Luke wants to preserve some of it, but he's like, "Yeah, Exegol, that, that's good." Uh, Lando's like, "I got, I got no interest in <laughs> in that." Yeah, uh, how do you feel about that? It sounds like Lando is on a podcast saying he doesn't want a Lando series in Disney Plus. He only wants new <laughs> characters. That's what it sounds like to me. Uh, hey, Star Wars has quite the relationship with the past, doesn't it? I mean, it's what we're talking about here today, and I kind of love it. And I think there's some healthy approaches here from Lando overall, though I, I think generally, and this might just be personally, you, you never want to forget the past. Uh doesn't mean, uh, yeah, again, I say that generally, but the, the past has a tendency, has a tendency to, I don't know, just co- control so much of the future. Uh, and perhaps that's what the past, as if I'm kind of imagining the past being some villainous concept <laughs> itself, like the past is in a mask, walking around mm-hmm. with a sword. And that's what it wants, right? It, it just wants to... Uh, it wants. It just wants to control that future. It wants to uh, not. Doesn't want you to leave it, right? It does not want you to change, grow, or move beyond it. And so, um, I don't know. There's something about Lando's. I love this section. One of my favorite little sections of the book. I, I love that you pulled this out. I had made a note of it as well early on when I was reading. I just, I love it. I think there's a lot of right in here. I think there's a lot of potential um, danger if you're not dealing with some of the stuff there. Uh, so I think no. that's, yeah, overall where I looked. Look at that. Absolutely. I think I think Lando and, and Dathan are, are both like have this really healthy attitude toward evolution. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like that Luke is looking back to the past, but I feel like a part of Luke's story in this era, too, is that he is right on the edge 
of needing the guidance of the past more than he should, right? Yeah. Like, I think it is really good to face the past and what was bad and what can we learn from. But there's then that risk of, but are you making a a decision for yourself in the present, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I think that. that ties it for me. It ties into him telling Ray, "This is your fight." That that's something Luke's mm-hmm. really learned of, like the past is valuable. You know, a thousand generations live in you. That's great, but also you're here now. What are you going to do? Yeah. And I felt like uh, there's some great seeds of that. Love that. No, great stuff. Uh, I also wanted to talk briefly about masks and reflections. Um, multiple characters throughout the book are masked, obsessed with masks. Arguably, the main villain is a mask. <laughs> yes. Uh, we have the mask of Exum Panchard. We have Ochi's lost red and white mask that he lost when he got his face all messed up that he keeps talking about. We got Komat's uh, mirror masks uh, to deal with the poison. Uh, Lando, uh, Komat has the Wind Raider of Talaran armor that she ends up giving to Lando. Uh, and then also many, many characters see themselves in uh, reflections, in masks, mm. in steel, in transparent steel windows. What, what's the power of this theme to you? Uh, uh, were masks in this story hiding or showing identity? Ooh, that's the question. Uh, I love it. Uh, again, this flows nicely into the sequel era, particularly Force Awakens, which was really playing with masks, right? And, and pulling mm-hmm. it off to find out you, who you truly are. I think of Rise of Skywalker, Kylo's own mask representing so much to him. Uh, fear, <laughs> a sense of power, uh, and, and, and a new sense of design. Everyone wants to get a new haircut or a new mask. Uh, I'm there for all that. But what face is real? We had that great question recently on uh, what is the true face of Palpatine? Like almost down to mm. like literally what is the true face of Palpatine? Is it the old oh, man who loves democracy or the unlimited power face? <laughs> and, um, you know, it's great. I love this kind of stuff. Uh, but then uh, to have it, um, it does pop up a lot. And Komat's mask, um, it just, it so simply just reflects you, right? Interesting concept mm-hmm. for this book. And uh, we, we talked about reflective and this kind of, uh, we, we, you know, not that the book's not somber and dour, but there's a lot of lot of introspection mm-hmm. in in this book. And I think to have mirrors literally going, hey, this is you saying this. This is you doing this. What do you think about that? I thought that was really fun, really good. Yeah, I thought there was a good uh, contrast to it because I think a lot of the people who were after masks, it was about like trying to get them back so they could be someone specific, that they could kind of construct someone. Like almost Ochi was, mm-hmm. <laughs> Ochi's obsession with his red and white mask is almost like, that's my 20s and I can put it back on. <laughs> <laughs> you guys want to go uh, out tonight? You guys want to go out tonight? You want to go out tonight? <laughs> yeah. And obviously, Exum Panchard is this great Sith perspective of clinging, haunting, not being willing to leave that mask. There's a great stuff about mm-hmm. poor uh, Kaiza, the actor. Aglaida Beyond, who knew that she'd fallen to it and, and couldn't resist yeah. putting it on. She knew it was a drug. She knew she didn't want to put it on, uh, but mm. she was going to. So it was a, a, lot of, a lot of the mass sort of clinging to something that is past or kind of making yourself somebody who you aren't really but want to be. And then I think a great contrast that um, these characters who are wrestling with with these internal choices and doubts, the moments of Lando, Death, mm. and Miramir, Luke, like these all these characters who are wrestling, like, have to keep seeing themselves. So like the, the masks, I think this book were an attempt to hide and the reflections were like, you can't. Yeah. <laughs> Here you are again. Look at yourself. <laughs> Hello. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> uh, want to move on then to bigger star Wars themes. Uh, there's a couple that I wanted to highlight and then, mm. uh, see if you, uh, thought anything. Um, you are not alone is such a strong, strong, clear theme of star Wars, but just so explicitly in bold underlined in rise of Skywalker, uh, it's directly said uh, by Anakin. I believe Miramar is as well. It's reinforced through multiple actions of characters uh, being there for you. Anakin's specific quote uh, to Luke is, remember my son, 
No matter how dark the night may grow, you are never alone. Uh, was this effective for you? And, and did you have kind of a favorite moment of that theme? I, I reread that Anakin one this morning, uh, and I really do love it because also there's a little bit of uh, pain and frustration. You know, the, the, you know, his father using all the energy just to kind of kind of be there, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so Luke wanting more and saying there's so much left uh, to ask, and that's just kind of the way it is at sometimes sometimes in life. So that one was effective. You mentioned it earlier, but I loved I loved just um, you know Dathan and, and Mirror Mirror just kind of knowing someone was out there. Um, even though it wasn't uh, felt directly and so much was still on their own. And all that really just really drove home. We're talking about uh, the connection and not being alone, but then it just drove home, like you said, with Ray, knowing what's coming and know the dark days that are ahead for her. I, I was I was even thinking, I was like, what is the first day that she scraped on the inside of that walker? You know, mm-hmm. uh, it, it probably wasn't necessarily the next day after, you know, she's Unkar, with Unkar, but... And how she felt that, and and it wasn't necessarily always true, right? She had to just really fight, be open to that connection, find that connection, work hard for that connection, and go through so much trauma to get that connection. So, uh, it just it made me reflect on on the on the story of Ray again. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just some great moments there. I think kind of a moment of action where I felt like the uh, "you are not alone" idea really resonated. Like Luke's got this heavy burden on his shoulders. He's not alone. He's got lore. He's got his students. I think he knows he can always, always, you know, turn to Leia if he needs or wants. Um, But this specific uh, moment where Luke's like, it's my responsibility to stop uh, Exum Panchart, right? Mm. Uh, And there's this moment where he he's in the fight and he needs help. Right. And Comat is there uh, in the David Bowie song, (laughs) serpents on the diamond moon. And, jumps up right and cuts those Sith crystals down with the white blade that Luke helped purify. And it's yes, just a great yes. moment of kindness begetting kindness, right? You, mm-hmm. you, you don't go to the light because ah, I'll, I'll do a favor and then somebody will have my back and it, it's not an exchange. That's not the point, but that is the truth of it. When we yeah. lift one another up, we lift one another up and it's a yeah. moment of, of yeah. Luke benefiting from the philosophy of the Jedi, the philosophy of the light side of I helped you. And mm. what do you know? Now you're here when I need help. Yeah. Oh, it's so great. We can slay yeah. serpents on diamond moons. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, the other fun theme I wanted to talk about is vulnerable children. Mm. Uh, obviously, Kadara Calrissian, uh, Lando's daughter, uh, Ray, uh, Dathan is a vulnerable child, I think, skulking around on Exegol. Yeah. Uh, Kiza is portrayed as being young and in, in need of something when she joined the Acolytes and then got taken by this mask. Uh, there's even the hint of it with 16-year-old Ben in those scenes where we know that he's uh, vulnerable. Mm. Um, this has been happening a lot in Star Wars. Uh, Obi-Wan was a lot about vulnerable youth. Uh, why do you think that idea is so important in Star Wars, the idea of uh, uh, children needing protection? I think it goes back to Lucas's core themes, what he was trying to accomplish with this uh, morality tale for the 12 year old and all of us. But the importance of the next generation should never be lost on the Star Wars stories. I think that's why often the fight is had. Right. Uh, not just making it a better day for you, but a, a better day for the, the future. I, I love that. I was even doing, um, you know, a little bit of uh, diving on uh, Kiza and just kind of refreshing myself in some of the events in the Aftermath series. Uh, just where she comes from, uh, endured uh, pover- poverty and humiliation uh, during her childhood, just kind of reading from Wikipedia again, and how this fueled her mm-hmm. anger and hatred and how she wasn't protected then, and that kind of led to her there. And, and, and poverty and, and humiliation might 
you know, always be there no matter the best efforts of those around her. But how a, she, she didn't feel protected from them, didn't feel like she could grow from it. And then the first kind of group or the first kind of person to come along and make a false promise uh, and, and, and build upon her anger and hatred for it all, um, which are natural and maybe at times justified reactions to some of the situations in your life. I think that's where it really kind of seeing the sadness in that character, the, the, just the pain and knowing, uh, and, and then at one point kind of choosing, right? Luke has that moment where they're like, oh, damn it, she just chose to put that mask back on. Like, um, that just kind of drove home the importance of, of uh, protecting the next generation or treating the next generation right or being there for them. Yeah, I love how much Luke tried to save her soul and her body, and it's just like, uh, she's made the choice. You know, mm-hmm. I can't make it for her. Yeah. 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 I really agree with that. I think, you know, Luke is famously saying, you know, Star Wars is for 12 year olds. You know, if that's true, I think another part of the message is also to adults of like, Hey, <laughs> be there for the 12 year olds. You know, this story is, is telling us, um, how to make those choices as we venture out into the world, but it's always a generational s- story. And it's also, I think really advocating, uh, to, to be there for the next generation. And I think you highlighting, uh, Kiza is just just you know what what would have been different in this entire story if someone had mm. been there for her yeah and as as always it's not always easy and i think we you know mm-hmm. we we reference that lucas statement everyone does everyone does and it can be used against star wars so many times even sometimes it feels like george is like hey what it's for kids stop taking it so seriously <laughs> I, I don't think george really means that i think he's just a, no. a food court grumpy uh cantankerous uh character at times um but yeah just, i think you're right to point out it yeah it is uh the story is for them but what are you as another as an older generation uh person what, what are you taking from that story you and i both love the bale and brea stuff and, and the Kenobi series it's it's important to us um of having those people be right there with them for the change it's it's valuable mm-hmm. stuff yeah yeah uh, go check out uh, the wonderful essay Ken did on YouTube uh, about little Leia little uh, Leia lessons from little Leia available now on YouTube yes <laughs> uh, are there any other thematic ideas you want to discuss big or small from this novel before we take a quick break we have definitely uh, discussed a lot. You've done a wonderful job of pulling the big ones, so I will withhold. Um, only thing, one of the big themes is have friends like Shriv in your life. That's, that's one of my favorites. <laughs> All right, we are going to take a quick break, and we're going to be back to talk Shriv and, you know, a few other canon connections in this massive canon connection book. Back in a moment. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. And we are back to continue our discussion of Shadow of the Sith by Adam Christopher. We talked some of the big ideas, some of the big themes, so let's nerd out on all the canon connections, big and small, and meaningful. Some fun, some uh, pretty deep. Uh, Ken, I have a a big-picture question for you. You know, we just talked through Brotherhood a little while ago, and that one had a lot of connections (laughs) and ideas and references. Do you feel that the Star Wars authors are competing with one another to see who can make Alex and Molly Damon of Star Wars Explained make the longest <laughs> Easter egg video. Uh, at this point, I'm starting to think, yes, I'm starting to think they probably have uh, virtual meetings around the world. All the authors get together and be like, how many you got? 79? All right, cool. I'm going to do I'm going to do 80. Um, and it's fun. I feel, you know, we at the time of this recording, we just had that uh, that, that new photo uh, series of photos released from the, uh, the, the the satellite telescope up there. Right. Forget mm-hmm. the name of it uh, there. You science fans know, you know, what I'm talking about. I feel like that right now. I'm just looking at a thousand galleries, <laughs> gal- galaxies in the sky, this, this gallery of Easter eggs and uh i i am overwhelmed and awed all at the same time yeah yeah i i want to have a little bit of a sense of humor about it because i do think there there's stuff we're going to talk about that are like characters it's anakin it's it's raised yeah. parents it's oshi's backstory it's 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 story it's you know meaning it's connections uh and then there's the hey you're writing a star war why don't you have fun mentioning yeah. this thing from that video game from that old book all, all that kind of stuff and i think for me like i love uh, almost all of it, but the sheer volume of it can kind of get overwhelming sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. And I just, I, I always want to be experiencing the story and I don't ever want to slip into reading these books. Like it's a treasure hunt, you know? Yeah. No, look, I'll just say this. Um, it, it's totally fun. And the ones that I get, I go, ha, ha, 
I got. And the ones that I don't, I go, ah, oh, probably legends. I didn't read that book. I'll wait for <laughs> I'll wait for Alex and Molly to tell me. Um, so I, yeah. I don't want the I don't want that ever to be lost. I just think yeah, go into the 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 term emotional canon totally emerged from um, the four center discussions where it's like it isn't about a checklist of lore or checklist of of things you know. It is the emotions, the themes of Star Wars. How can you connect the story? of this character in this film to uh, someone else's uh, story six films later. That's the emotional canon we love. And that just drives a lot of our interest in Star Wars. But it does not mean I don't enjoy, I got it, Shriv. Oh, give me Shriv's <laughs> back. Like, I was so happy. So happy. And Beaumont Kin, I was like, can, Luke Skywalker spoke to Beaumont Kin. What are you talking about? It was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, this is this is Beaumont Kin's beginning of studying the Sith, so he could deliver that line that so many people <laughs> make really fun of in Rise of Skywalker. Is the beginning of it? No, I think the thing was like uh, you're helping me work through my feelings. I think characters and planets and stuff like that I really like because I like Star Wars being mm-hmm. an inter- interconnected story. I like uh, hey, if Lando needs some some resources. This is probably the person he'd call. It's Shriv, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, I, I love Luke going to Tython because that's not just like a a check mark. That's that's a specific place with specific. Uh, that scene stone is a specific uh, place with specific mm-hmm. abilities. I love that stuff. And then there are the things that are just feels like here's kind of an Easter egg, something the author loves. Uh, mm. So the author put it in. And I'm a total hypocrite when it comes to those because some of them I'm like, yeah. 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 <laughs> and some of them are like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, and I had that experience in this book where I had one uh, that I'm owning my hypocrisy. It was just a taste. One was like, this is so indulgent and I love it. Best thing ever. And another was like, ah, come on. <laughs> um, funny, you and I didn't talk or confirm this off air, but I meant to. But because uh, remember that one day we were recording, I go, oh, man, I just got to something. A reference in the book I cannot wait for you to get to so we can discuss our probably <laughs> similar feelings on it, which is both fun and uh, like it, so it's a lot of fun. No, and again, uh, overall picture on it, this, yeah, Mike, the Mike Chen one was he was tweeting them out and it was almost like a challenge to Star Wars Explained, mm-hmm. right? It was, and, and I do love him, I do love him, and I, I don't think I've never felt in all of the books that this has happened in, and it happens in some more than others, I've never felt overwhelmed by it. Um, I take it for what it is. It's just not where I want to stop uh, engaging with the story. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, thank you for uh, helping me uh, talk <laughs> through the parts that I like and then the parts that uh, can sometimes be a risk of bumping me out mm-hmm. of the story. And maybe it's just total, totally subjective. Maybe it's just me uh, where sometimes uh, something that just seems like kind of a, a reference for fun's sake can bump me out of the story a little bit. But then sometimes I love it, and we'll get to those. But we're going to talk about the big stuff first, the true emotional canon. Yeah. Uh, the biggest perhaps being, you know, the spirit of Anakin Skywalker. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, we, we got part of this in an excerpt early on. I enjoyed it even more in the flow of the story. Uh, Luke is on the, the scene stone on Tython. He is meditating. He has what appears to be a half vision, half real trip to Exegol, uh, where he is being attacked by these wraiths that uh, are both there and not there and mm. phase out of existence whenever uh, Luke slashes at them. Uh, so Anakin uses all his power uh, to pull Luke free from this vision back to Tython. Uh, he says to Luke, uh, hell has many names, Luke, in response to uh, Luke asking if he was on Exegol. Anakin says, hell has many names, Luke. The seeing stone took part of you there, but it has taken all that I can give to bring you back. 
Also within this uh, brief conversation, Luke sees a flash of uh, Sebastian Shaw Anakin. (laughs) Not the way it's described, but uh, Luke describes seeing a kind of a a, a dancing of images and he has seen young Jedi Knight uh, Anakin Skywalker. But then he's also seen that uh, the face of that kind uh, older man that he briefly saw without the helmet Mm -hmm. uh, on the Death Star. So uh, kind of a lot going on with Anakin. A little summary there. Uh, How did you feel about all this? I really loved it. I'll say this, and I don't mean this to sound too grumpy. I, I really wish this was a big surprise in the book, but it wasn't. They released that excerpt, and and, and we kind of knew it was coming. But you got to do what you got to do for marketing or whatever. I, 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 I don't begrudge that at all. But I just kind of was like, oh, here we go. It's that part. And that's just the way it is nowadays, and and and, and, and that's fine. And, and by the way, when I say this, that's the way it is nowadays, our reaction to that kind of stuff is different than 20 years ago. We would have been like, I can't wait to get the book with Anakin showing back up. It's just it's, it's just a different time. I get that. All of it was good. Uh, yeah, the, the half vision, half real trip. Uh, I was waiting for someone to say uh, the way is shut. It was built by the dead and the dead keep it. The way is shut. Like it was some Lord of the Rings stuff. And I really love <laughs> And I really love that. I love the uh, mail away figure of Sebastian Shaw showing up. Um, but I loved But again, you could just go, hey, here's we're going to do this, right? The ghost of Anakin Skywalker, the force ghost of Anakin shows up for his son. What a checklist moment. I really thought it was effective. Again, I read that part this morning and, and just was kind of moved by, but also amused by, Dad, you're speaking of cryptic sentences. I'd like to ask you more here, man. Um, I loved all of it. I thought it was really effective. And then you tie it into, you know, heading up to Simi Valley off the 118 freeway to go to Tython. And boom, uh, I liked that as well. It was uh, a fun connection. Yeah, there's a lot that I love about it. I agree with you. This is one where it was cool to see the excerpt. It was uh, amazing to know that this was happening. To me, it was like one of the most fun and interesting parts of the book, not just Anakin showing up, but Luke's uh, struggle, Mm. half projecting to Exegol Mm -hmm. and not understanding what it was. Uh, And I would have, I would like that to be a surprise, but that time has passed. We'll move on to the future, to the now. Um, I really liked uh, that it was for me enough clarity and enough ambiguity for Mm. Force Spirits. Um, yeah. I liked that it was left open that, um, was this, was Anakin able to appear to Luke like this because of the unique properties of the scene stone, mm-hmm. that it is about power and connection and in reaching out, right? It's a way to call that even Luke doesn't fully understand. And it is that what allowed Anakin to appear like this, mm-hmm. you know, which for me would have some like fun it's not cutting anything off from the future or from the past, you know, mm-hmm. but it, it suggested that there's more to still be understood, which is the way I like the four spirits uh, stories to be yeah. uh, understood. I also, in, in terms of like a little bit of um, something maybe slightly more concrete, I did like the, like Anakin just saying it, it took everything I can to bring you back. Mm. Um, there's always that question of exactly how much can four spirits do? Where is it by choice? Is Yoda able to physically bonk Luke on the nose and summon lightning <laughs> right. uh, on Octo because of Octo, because of his connection to Luke? Is that something he could do at any time? Uh, the, the infamous line from Obi-Wan uh, in Empire Strikes Back to Luke, if you choose to face Vader, you will do it alone. I cannot interfere. And mm. we don't know if that's like by the spiritual laws of the force or <laughs> yeah. Obi-Wan going, that's your fight. Uh Mm. So I like that that all of those interesting ideas were kind of briefly touched on where Anakin is like, you were in real trouble and I I needed to take this uh, mm. Aya spirit 
existing in a metaphysical way had to take this action in this spiritual metaphysical plane to save you, but that's all I can do. And it took a lot out of me, kid. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, even there's a line of Anakin faded again, but when he returned, he was only a dim shape, hardly more than a blue glowing outline against a clear blue sky. And Luke's go, but what do I do, Father? Like he's tried to, you know, we talk about Force Ghosts show up at the time of need, and he literally, Luke is wanting those answers, and he can't get them. And 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 even though the advice is so cryptic, which I actually love that Luke is like, ah, oh, man, come on. And I really like that the instincts is just like, uh, you know, follow the river of the Force uh, in your instincts before because they are one, right? It, yeah, yeah. It's some really great getting back to, you know, hey, turn off your targeting computer and trust your gut, right? Yes. Um. And and seeing the way Luke conducts himself in uh, on uh, Serpent Diamond Moon uh, yeah. uh, during the David Bowie fight song, mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of just like he is really going with what is happening, right? Yes, uh, he is not trying to control things. He is the the serpents are are coming and, and he he works with it. Um, yeah. So I feel like he kind of does take some of his dad's advice. What do you make of the uh, Sebastian Shaw flash, (laughs) which is a fun phrase to say. What do you feel like was going on in that moment? Why do you think that was there in the book? I I, I thought it was way more than a fun reference. It it is a fun reference and it is kind of playing with what we both see, but just that um, this idea, I, you know, we don't fully understand the entire process of force ghosting. We get, we're getting some, you know, getting better pictures of it, including with this, this book, but the Qui-Gon stuff and everything. So what is, is Anakin struggling to maintain a certain form? You know, the idea of George saying, ah, it's going back to the moment he was redeemed or that kind of stuff. You know, I, I think it just adds more mystery that I, I don't know if I ever want fully explained. I liked it. I really liked it. I thought it was effective um, uh, of just, uh, you know, the energy it was taking to do this. And again, by the way, you're watching Luke who half got to some half projected to a spot who sees the cost that it, uh, that it can uh, take the, the toll of that. And, and we know where he's going in the last Jedi. So I kind of like seeing that too. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think for me, the Sebastian Shaw thing, I, what I like about it is how much is that Anakin or is that Luke, right? Is that mm-hmm. Luke sort of trying to mm-hmm. marry these two images in his mind that these are both, you know, yeah. these are pictures of this, the, this man, this human, this being uh, when he was on the side of light. Uh, and trying to kind of reconcile these two moments in time? Or is that Anakin, like, kind of wanting to show himself to Luke as he was at, mm-hmm. at, at, in his prime, right? And mm-hmm. But this vestige of of this older man that he was showing up for a moment. That's interesting. Yeah, I like that. Mm. Yeah, so really fun to think about. Really love that. Any other Spirit of Anakin thoughts before we move on? Uh, now I do want this figure, though. Can we get this version of it? A Sebastian Shaw... Hayden version that you kind of depending on where, where you turn it you can see it uh yeah I, I want an action figure where you squeeze the legs and the head uh revolves and it goes yes. from from Hayden to Sebastian Shaw when you squeeze the four spirit legs love that yeah <laughs> but overall again it was a it was a it was a great use of, of Anakin yeah and uh, I'm very very excited with the still unconfirmed by Lucasfilm heavily rumored appearance of Hayden Christensen in the Ahsoka series if this is uh, going to be flashbacks or, or dealing more with how Anakin exists within the Force. Mm. Very excited to see mm-hmm. uh, if those rumors are true. Uh, move on to Ray's family. We get a lot of clarity and backstory there. We learn that uh, young Dathan escaped Exegol because a kind Simong, mm-hmm. <laughs> Simeong, uh, the, uh, the, you know, monkey guys, yeah. uh, helped uh, Dathan escape Exegol. 
uh, we learn that Mirmer is a mechanical genius who meets Dothan, helping him fix agrodroids on her home planet of Hypercarn. Mm. Uh, we learn that Ray has a great grandmother known only as Baba. Uh, we learn that the family did live on Jakku for a while, then fled, uh, and then returned Ray and bought her protection from Unkar with Dathan's Sith Hex Charm necklace. Uh, but his Unkar plot makes <laughs> really clear. That's only going to make me watch over her for a time. And then you yeah. have to come back for her, which explains uh, why she ends up on her own. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, we we uh, are witness to Ochi murdering uh, both Dathan and Mirmer on the Bestoon legacy, dumping him into space, their bodies being discovered by Lando, Lando mm-hmm. and then Lando and Luke uh, on net folly in the Socorro system, which Wikipedia tells me is also a.k.a. the gold system, and giving them a burial. How did you feel about all of that backstory? What parts of it were resonant? This was some of my favorite stuff, even down to a Simeon helping Dathan and him taking his name and, and uh, again, talking about it. I framed it as a bit of a immigrant story and I'm, you know, I, I got the stories of my father hitting uh, Ellis Island and uh, them, uh, you know, him taking a different name. You know what I mean? Like it, it, to me, that kind of might be a personal connection. I don't know if other people felt that, but all that kind of resonated with me. But uh, again, you know, knowing that we we're going to get this going in right again, I think the names came out first. Uh, I forget whether it was an interview, press release, mm-hmm. whatever the names were out. Uh, so I was excited, but I did, I did not expect to spend this much time with them and have them be actually fully formed and functional characters and learning more about it and leading up. And then even as I'm reading it, I'm thinking, man, is this going to go to the moments? Is this going to go to what we've seen in the rise mm. of Skywalker or, or even the force awakens vision? And we do. And I think this is one of those scenarios where, where, uh, we, we celebrate those times where star Wars publishing or other star Wars material, um, even like Star Wars Resistance, seeing Hux's speech from a different point of view. Um, mm. uh, I, I, I like that. I like kind of that reframing or additional context. And now those little beats, which I didn't have a problem with at all before, uh, they were part of the fun mystery of Rey and then seeing her parents and everything and seeing them seeing seeing them killed in, on screen, but now seeing it in the book, it has more of a punch. And I want to go watch those parts of the films, if not watch the entire films again because of this. So I think it was really effective. This wasn't just a let's try to, put them in here and see what we can do with it. It really added to Ray's story. It made their story very real to me. Yeah. I think uh, for me, it just had so much emotional resonance to Ray's story that, you know, we know that she has kind of locked some of these memories away because she was very young because their trauma that she's, she's left kind of confused that she knows that mm-hmm. there were people who loved her. Right. But then they left and why, and you can see how, why that's sort of the most, um, fearful version of those fractured memories are what uh, Kylo picks up on right in yep. last Jedi and, yep. and pulls forward and then spins in the most negative way. Um, and then she reconnects and it's, it's her parents that give her strength. One of uh, uh, the sets of people who give her strength in rise of Skywalker. I love her line back to Palpatine of my, my parents uh, weren't weak. They were strong. They resisted mm-hmm. you. They kept me away from you. And that took strength. Um, so seeing mm-hmm that strength right yeah. uh was really great so it, it it was all resonant to ray's story for me but it's also just like yeah it was fun to get to know them as people and and see what dathan's young life was like and living in this weird space of like knowing palpatine's like he's valueless to me in the moment but he might have offspring i'm not telling anybody that but just the word is <laughs> don't kill him yeah yeah <laughs> let him scamper around mm-hmm. uh it, it, it explains to me how how 
Dathan could um, get past the horror of, of where he, he started and find something better. Yeah. So I really liked understanding him as a human. And for me, it is a little bit of like, uh, hey, let's explain it. But I did frankly like Miramir being a, a mechanical genius, right? Um, yeah, yeah. And that, that, that does, uh, you know, explain a little bit of their presence on Jakku and, and filtering those skills down to Ray. That's all. Yeah. That's all really fascinating by me uh, to me. Yeah. Um, I think uh, seeing uh, a, since there is a little bit of like, okay, were they buried on Jakku? Where did they end up? Knowing where they ended up and knowing that people who cared and wanted to help and will go on to help Ray, you know, gave them a, a, a respectful resting place. That was really powerful to me. Yeah, it worked. And even just in terms of the the horror that, you know, Lando's feeling in that moment and, and, and getting so close and, and, and not close enough. And yeah, it was, it was uh, tragic. It was effective, um, haunting. Uh, it was all those yeah. things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and their, their real defiance of hope even is, you know, Ochi in yes. this utter madness, not, not even tactical, just right. Like that blade is just possessing him at that point. And mm-hmm. they're just like, Hey, we're, we're going to die in the moment, but we know we, we won in the big picture because our daughter is safe and uh, we are dying with, with hope, you know, yep. it, it give, give them a victory. Final thought in this is uh, to quote, uh, quote Darth Vader, where is Baba? Is she safe? Is she all right? Is she still alive? <laughs> hey, episode 10, Baba returns. Yeah. Please, someone tell Ray about Baba. Uh, any other thoughts? Uh, no, it was, it was big. It was a big part of the story. And I, I think overall, man, it, it really worked for me. And, and, and uh, it's going to add to those films. That's a that's a victory. Yep, yep. Uh, speaking of adding to those films, Ochi's story. We get a lot of dagger clarity. We learn that the Sith Eternal have uh, traveled from Exegol to give Ochi the blade and the mission to find Rey. Supposed to find her, then use the blade to find the the Wayfinder and return her to Exegol. Uh, there have always only been two Wayfinders, uh, we learn, clearly passed on uh, in the Sith tradition. Uh, and we learn that by the end, Ochi is driven mad by the blade, and he dies with it on Pisana in the sinking fields in just uh, just total abject failure. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I, I really like that part of the story. That it's just he's been driven mad by it, killed his own companions, lost. He's lost the thread. Right? Like he could yeah. he could still maybe try to use it to find Exegol, but he's so far beyond that because he's just been driven mad by it did that all track for you did it help uh that confusing part of rise of skywalker yeah it, it did I, I i as someone who hasn't spent a lot of time worrying too much about it in rise of skywalker maybe that's just uh to you know my fault i just take it as it as it as it is sometimes uh i, I didn't feel i ne- needed a ton of clarity but it was fun uh Ochi, i have an interesting relationship with oj i really like him i called him a prick earlier but i like him being there but <laughs> Like his his appearances in the Vader comic are okay for me, but probably why I say it's okay, it's because he's kind of just annoying, and and I think that's okay. It's okay to have that kind of villain, and, and so therefore I don't know. I didn't have a lot of sympathy for him, but that it, it but it but it it resonated where he's literally sinking, right? He's literally slowly mm-hmm. dying. Um, I guess, to, I don't know, make another Lord of the Rings reference. I just Gollum falling into, uh, you know, the, 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 the Mordor uh, lava there as he's still chasing the ring that's uh, destroying him. Uh, it, it, it worked. It, it, it kind of worked there. Uh, the little details are always fun, always interesting, but I think the the big thing was the theme and him being driven mad by 
what he thought was the solution, uh, not being able to let that go and not be able to see the truth of it. That was what was more powerful to me. Yeah, no, I really agree with you. I think for me, um, the dagger stuff in the exact tracking of when did Ochi get it? What, uh, you know, mm-hmm. did, did he go to Exegol to get it? And if so, how did he do that without, um, then why did he need the blade to find the wayfinder? When was the blade made? All that kind of stuff is like, yeah, I, I totally get that that is uh, not super clear in the film. Mm-hmm. Personally, yes, it's, to me, it's all tip of the iceberg storytelling. I didn't need to know the how. Um, mm-hmm. that's how I personally felt about it. Uh, but you know, talking to, to other friends, other fans who get distracted by those kind of things, you know, I'm happy that this book is here to like clear it up. So if it's yeah. a distraction for you enjoying what I think are the, the great parts of rise of Skywalker, then I'm happy to have this sort of, uh, uh clarity. Um, mm-hmm. so you don't, you're not distracted by the how, and you can in just enjoy the, the what and the why, um, I really liked uh, a lot of the buildup of what the wayfinders are and how they are very, they're similar to, but different uh, from the holocrons uh, mm-hmm. that they're very unique, that there have only ever been to uh, building up to even, you know, understanding some of Luke's uh, sketches that Ray finds all that stuff is, yeah. uh, is really, really fun and interesting to me um, in the dagger itself. I've always liked the dagger. And again, I think this is, we talked about it recently, I think Rise of Skywalker is is so much more adventure serial and old pulp and even Indiana Jones feelings, mm-hmm. right? In the the mystical artifacts, I saw a uh, a meme that you know, did not like did not like Rise of Skywalker, kind of detailing <laughs> the plot, you know, saying, mm-hmm. "Okay, so the plot is they have to find a knife to find the Death Star." Uh, remains to find a compass to find a planet somebody got paid to write this and like uh, as we always say if if you don't like it and it doesn't work for you there you go it's your opinion but for me that's just like uh-huh that's the point it's that kind of story it's a pulp mm-hmm. <laughs> adventure serial story where you're on a quest and it hinges on a mystical dagger that loves to suck up blood <laughs> yeah that's why it's good to me that's what i'm here for so i really enjoyed spending more time with that dagger and all those descriptions of like the way it, it soaked up the blood and just told Ochi like stab more people it's this it's awful but it's fascinating yeah. mm. uh, it's a fascinating de- depiction of evil right to take something as wild as a, a dagger that's like uh, thank you more please please mm-hmm. more blood it, it's a, a wild, weird, frightening way to talk about the way anger feels, right? Yeah, no, no, very effective. And, and even in the, the 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 first mention of it, when Oshi's kind of like this, boy, that that thing just drank my blood. Like what? Um, I I, I do like that. And yeah, I, you know, I know what you mean. You know, sometimes we don't want to get too uh, uh, grumpy about it, but sometimes people say things like that to me about what you described about that meme, and I go, uh huh. And that's the end of my comment back to that. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. You, you explained it. You guess, I guess you just don't like it. Uh, the answer's there. You just didn't, didn't like the answer, which is, uh, that's a different discussion. So uh, I, I felt that, I felt that a lot with this dagger and this, and uh, the whole plot in this. Yeah. Yeah. And as always, if, if you don't like it, that's fine with me. I just think that to me, the, the point is it, it is evoking these kinds of quests and these kinds of ancient artifacts and the, the fun of them and the terror of them. And I thought this book did a great job diving into those thematic ideas, those fun and interesting moods, and then also just did answer some of the how. And I think that is a really uh, positive thing uh, because hopefully it'll help more people uh, enjoy the movie or give it another shot. Maybe, yeah. Could, All right, could it, well, could very well be. We'll see. 
Yeah, yeah. Any other Sith Eternal or Ochi thoughts uh, before we move on? Uh, no, other than I, I still like Exegol as a planet, as a location, as a concept. I, I still would love to see some more Exegol uh, pop up in stories. Yeah. Oh, and I, I like uh, how much people, uh, how much the book describes it as a truly awful nightmare place. Anakin mm-hmm. saying hell has many names and that uh, that sense of it being desiccated. There's nothing there. Everything has been sucked out of it. You know, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. All, all those descriptions of it are really, really powerful for you. For, for you, <laughs> yes. for me, no, you're right. and hopefully you're right. you. I was I was about to ask a you question, yeah. and, I, and I slipped. Uh, anyway, let's get into Luke's Jedi Academy. I think there was some great stuff that was fleshed out. Uh, the planet's name is Osus. It is the same planet in uh, Book of Boba Fett, where we see Luke and his R2's uh, team of building droids beginning to build the temple. That is also seen later in the sequel flashbacks. Uh, I saw a tweet uh, from lore master Pablo Hidalgo saying it was named Osus in the Book of Boba Fett script. Uh, And then Adam Christopher had the opportunity to put it down on the page. So there we go. We know the name of that planet. Uh, We also learned that Luke is trying to follow the Jedi Code of being uh, aware of personal attachments. Uh, We see him be very warm and very friendly with Lando and not denying their closeness. There's some beautiful uh, hugs. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Uh, But then we also see um, Luke gently correct Ben to call him Master Skywalker, not Uncle Luke. Uh, We learn that Luke is using the Padawan title. We see that very prequel image Mm -hmm. of uh, older Jedi leading younglings on training exercises so to me it's like the philosophy of uh the jedi was there in some of these appearances of luke in mandalorian book of boba fett but i feel like this book was sort of like a little bit more concrete of like yes Mm. he is learning the old ways and he is building his new academy in that image yeah no i i thought it was uh very fun to see um and to see it more fully formed, uh, I loved the kind of the dance again, Padawan title, but I uh, certainly didn't make him cut his hair like it. Uh, I love those <laughs> the kind of dance there, and and then uh, you know even uh, how how even it was framed like, well, this is how Ben likes his hair, and he still calls him Uncle Luke, and there's that kind of uh, running up, uh, you know, button up against him with some of those rules, but it's nice and warm and friendly at this point, and we'll see where that goes, obviously, uh, mm-hmm. and, and what that makes him. Uh, and susceptible to so i loved i loved all of it love seeing it a little more fully formed right a little more you mentioned the very young uh younglings which is uh maybe some uh built-in tragedy in that as we know but uh i just liked it all because because uh, this is kind of something you'd wanted to see you know you, you when, when even when the deal was announced in 2012 oh we might get some new versions of luke and luke teaching jedi and we got some of that here it was a nice taste yeah, yeah. To me, it was just like a great taste. And I feel like every time we get a taste, I feel like I learn more of that mm-hmm. Rise of Kylo Ren comic series, limited comic series uh, that I talk about a lot. It's got some great stuff, including just kind of a little picture of like um, Jedi, Luke's Jedi Academy and that they're, they're adult trained functioning Jedi who yeah. are going around the galaxy on missions doing things. And then this one adding that, oh, and there are some very young younglings as well. They're, they're yeah. Jedi of different ages, right? It really opens that idea to that even that Lucas Mm. Uh, uh, idea that maybe maybe Luke's found some older people. Is Quinlan Voss ever visit? You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know that that kind of stuff. Always just amazing to see Ben and Luke uh, interacting. Um, yeah. I, I think that there's big discussions to be had about you know Luke trying to follow the ways of the Order. I really like it because I think the spirit of the Order's ideas are are understandable. The the rule isn't don't love anybody or don't, don't be close to anybody it's like don't get possessive of them 
and just like everything else we talked about with Luke, it's such a perfect example of like Ben's his nephew. He loves him. He wants him to feel loved and happy, but he also wants him to learn to be totally responsible, to stand on his own, to not be in Luke's shadow. Like uh, you can see the good intentions that Luke has that he's trying to find this balance. That's my take on it. Um, yeah. So I like seeing that. Um, it, my main reaction is, yeah, we've talked about it forever. Uh, but I just deeply want a, a, a Luke's Jedi Order. Uh, I take books, but I'd, I'd love uh, an animated show. Hey, mm. if if Mark Hamill wants to do it, great. Uh, honestly, there's just like I think that I'm coming at this from such a deep love of Clone Wars. Look at how much Clone Wars mm-hmm. fleshed out that era, right? Yeah, yeah. And in my head canon, there are massive, many epic tales of Jedi Master Luke Skywalker, uh, his mm-hmm. Padawan uh, Ben Solo. And other Jedi Knights of the new Jedi Order going around the galaxy, helping balance, helping mm. people, having victories. It's not just about this slow march to tragedy. I mm-hmm. think there's plenty of room for these stories, just like the Clone Wars. Yeah. All of the Clone Wars <laughs> yeah, yeah. is a tragedy. But look at how much joy and hope and fun is in that animated series. And I just really want that for this era and these characters. I'm with you on that. And yeah, you can, you still have the dark shadows hanging over it all and, and how close they're getting to, you know, solving mysteries or even knowing that there's a mystery. And, and this book kind of does that too. So yeah, I'm all mm-hmm. for that. And and you could um, pick it up from here. You could do it before you give, give me three seasons or whatever. Yeah. I, 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 I really like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, one of my strong reactions, happy for what we got mm. here and would mm-hmm. love more and happy what we got in book of Boba Fett as well. Uh, okay, so there's also a lot of the uh, specific just Rise of Skywalker love. Uh, Dio, <laughs> oh, <laughs> or tortured yeah. Dio. I, I was I finished the book and was telling my wife just like a little bit about it because she's probably not going to have time to read this one for a long time. So I was telling her, I was like, hey, it's got that Ochi of Bastoon guy and it's kind of dealing with this. And she's like, is Dio in it? And I was like, I'm sad to report this. <laughs> <laughs> sad to report. It's sad to report that Luke, uh, Luke at the end is kind of like, Ah, that was like a cone on a wheel. Well, I can't find the power source. Move along, move along. Uh, Luke, come on, man. But there were like a lot of little moments like that of like, not now, but the victory is set up yeah. to come, right? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I was thrilled to see Dio. I, I'm just saying it's sad because he's, uh, well, you get to see the abuse that, uh, that yeah. Ochi uh, yeah. put on him. I go back to what I said earlier about Ochi. I won't repeat it time and time again, but Ochi is that. Ochi is that. Uh, of course, we also got Beaumont Ken uh, in his early career mm. getting interested in specializing in Sith artifacts. Uh, got a lot with uh, uh, Enric Pride. Yeah. Uh, uh, he thinks and talks about Imperial remnants in the Unknown Region. They have him embedded with this uh, other organization. Uh, Steadfast is his code name, which is uh, fun since that ends up being the name of his uh, Star Destroyer. Uh, he has a flask yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and dreams of having some death sticks. And then at the end, <laughs> we learn he's got a coat of Ewoks. Oh, <laughs> uh, what again? Beep, you pride. What a beep. Yeah. Yeah, there's our discussion about Enric Pride. Yeah, so so good. I, you know, I think probably because I just love Richard E. Grant so much. I do like, I do like Pride. I actually really like him a lot in the in Skywalker. So I was thrilled to get more of him here. But then, like, 
be careful what you ask for. It's like, oh man, that is brutal. It was vicious. And yet another, uh, and I mean this in a good way, but yet another Imperial who was on Endor, right? Hanging out in the shadows of, of Return yep. of the Jedi. Um, uh, I like that. I like that. At one point, I got to imagine he and, and uh, Moden Kennedy had uh, had some uh, flasks and death sticks going, what are we doing? Oh, we got to this, this, this first order. Um, <laughs> so I loved, liked all that. And then the code of Ewok for, oh, unbelievable. It, it was really like, oh. let's, let's have, let's not just have the, I don't, in, in the book, sometimes we encounter a lot of Imperials or first order officers who are just sort of like stiff, rigid, evil bureaucrats. Right. Yeah. Um, and I really, really appreciated that pride was like, let's give, let, let's make him uh, almost a mustache twirling villain yeah. villain. Like he is a bleeper, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but there's a, it's a bleeper with a lot of uh, uh, flair to it. That makes you love to hate him. Uh, <laughs> I would like just to read his burn book. And I know we've made that joke before about Palpatine, but yeah. you know that pride's got opinions on yeah. everybody and everything. Oh, well he made a burn book to impress Sheev, you know, like, look, I made one too. I made one too, but I like what you said there. That's a good, good lesson. If you're going to be a bleeper, be a bleeper with flair, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's also the discussion of the difference between clone versus strand cast, uh, mm. which is other places, but that was fun to just have that yeah. concrete on page 174, 175. Yeah. Uh, in, in, we talked about why we liked uh, uh, pride. Anything else here in some of these specific shout outs to rise of Skywalker that you like? I just thought, I really like the use of, of Beaumont Ken. I, I, you know, cause uh, Again, when when I say when I hear some of the criticism, I go, uh huh, yeah, he said it. Uh, you want to know why Palpatine, how Palpatine came back? Beaumont Ken said it. Uh, so mm-hmm. I just have always liked the character, and to actually kind of take that and build back towards the start of his story. I thought it was I thought it was fun. And again, we're watching Beaumont Ken, Lor Santeca, and Luke Skywalker talking to each other. That that's that's that was a lot of fun for me as a sequel fan. Yeah, no, and I think what really sold it to me is I, I, I it, it captured that character who's kind of like enthusiastic and curious and yeah. you know uh, wants to prove himself, a young man heading to this uh, this destiny of being knowledgeable on this subject. But the great contrast of this professor he looked up to is like that's not a proper thing to study, right? You know, yeah. And you know what? Hey, maybe Beaumont Ken would have more details for us if the whole galaxy hadn't turned their head away and say we don't want to think about it. It's not real. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe Beaumont Kin could have been more specific for us in Rise of Skywalker if, you know, his professor mm-hmm. had been into him studying this. Yeah. Uh, a specific moment I liked with Pride is him mocking Bastoon. Is that a place? A family? What is oh, that? Even? yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, are you ready to move on to the, the mega list? Absolutely. Let's hit it. Okay, so uh, this is not going to be anywhere near complete, is uh, Alex and Molly Damon of Star Wars Explains video, and I'm sure other people's videos, this is some of the stuff I picked up on, uh, and we can stop to talk about any of the stuff that uh, we would like to, Ken. Uh, we have the Laura and Luke uh, using the compass from Pilio uh, that they find in the video game Battlefront 2, and that, that is a, a way that they find a lot of the Jedi temples. Uh, it has all long been in Laura Santeca's uh, databank entry that he is... Uh, a member of the Church of the Force, but really specifying that he is a historian and that's his role within that organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything there you wanted to chat about? I just, I just love that Santeca clan now f- featured prominently at uh, times in the Higher Republic series and like Lord Santeca as well. So it was a lot of fun. And, and we, you and I, and others, but you and I were right, right out of Rise of Skywalker. We're like, give us that animated series. Luke and Lore going around the galaxy and I got a little taste of it. It was everything I wanted. Yeah, it's really, really great. And I like their friendship too, right? Mm-hmm. It's showing that Luke is not this cold, isolated person, right? And yeah. and also seeing Lore and, and like Ben have opinions about Lore, you know, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. heightens their interaction in Force Awakens. Uh, 
Ochi mentions Lady Kira. That's, that's great. And mm-hmm. just a little shout out there. Um, the mountain of Kyber on Exegol uh, being tortured mm. uh, by the cultists is not only like great clarity for where did they get uh, the weapons to power uh, the Final Order's fleet, uh, but it's also uh, a lot of this ties directly from Vader to Vader comics, the, mm-hmm. um, the Ochi burning directly from uh, Vader comics. Uh, I'd like to just quick mention of Lasat Bouncers. Yeah. Uh, that was a moment of hope. Uh, we know from the story of in Rebels uh, that there was a belief that that uh, group of sentient beings had been wiped out, but no, they'd survive. So it was great to just hear that they're, they're bouncers. They're out and about <laughs> in the galaxy, living life, having jobs. That was nice. I love that. Mm-hmm. Rebels fans. Uh, we spent a lot of time hearing about Lando's ship, Lady Luck, which was introduced in the last shot novel. Uh, also from last shot, uh, Lando mentions his Twi'lek lady love, Kasha Batine, mm. who is also from that novel. Uh, did you did, did you take it that Kasha is meant to be Kadara's mother, or is that open? I I took it as open. I took it as a little bit a um, little bit open. Um, I don't know necessarily why, other than that, just was a was a was a personal take from from that because that, that that's a question that's kind of hung over it for a while after it was established in that last shot, you know. Yeah, yeah, and there was a thing about the, a place they'd all went together, and I was like, aha, and I was like, wait, no. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wouldn't put it uh, beyond Lando to have, you know, mm. uh, had uh, had uh, yeah. a relationship that didn't entirely work out with uh, Kadara's mother. And, yeah, you know. yeah. So open for interpretation. Oh, uh, here's the big one. Shriv Sergav. Mm-hmm. Oh, we love Shriv from the video game uh, Battlefront 2. Popped up in a lot of books since then. Yeah. Just a great, like, He's a steadfast uh, rebellion, New Republic hero, who's also just kind of a sarcastic grump who <laughs> goes his own way too. He's he's he doesn't break the rules, but he bends them for buddies. Yeah. Uh, and then there's a specific mention of the level that you play yeah. uh, with him and Lando in Battlefront Two. Uh, what are your shrimp thoughts? I mean, I, I I'm probably going to do a replay of that story pretty soon, just based on this alone. I just really loved it. it, it again, uh, yeah, shrimp's popped up here and there, but to have him uh, have him interact with Lando, have him be there for Lando, and have him be a connection uh, that he goes on and sticks with the New Republic. I I, I just liked it. And again, you could just look at it. It's not just a checklist thing. I, I just got the sense that, uh, like, Adam Christopher is just like, great. I've been reading all these books and enjoying these stories for years, too. Now I get to just pull it all together in one big story. And I, I, just, I just enjoyed a lot of those kind of moments. Yeah, no, almost all of these things really do feel like they come from a place of, like, that's a cool beat. That's a cool story. I want to incorporate mm-hmm. those and, and kind of show respect to every, like you said, to every element of storytelling. Uh, yeah. Certainly in the Disney era, but also uh, obviously uh, in the past as well. Yeah. Um, Ochi dreams of hunting Depa Balaba. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he almost gets taken out in Mace Windu during the Clone Wars. That seemed like a dream thing, uh, obviously. Uh, the timeline was uh, interesting there. Um, of course, the Tython Scene Stone, we've already talked about that, but that's very cool uh, to see such a direct connection to uh, not just the place, but Th- mm-hmm. the purpose of that stone yep. right and the reason that ahsoka sent him mm-hmm. sent grogu there and knowing that luke has found it and is sensitive to it you know and it works yeah so and I, lo- I, I love that yeah no i love uh, tython being something new that shows up in in the show and, and now becomes something old for us where we can revisit it and get more of it in story get, and, and get more of the backstory that's that's when i love uh, when when the new things become old in star wars yeah, and speaking of which, then we get uh, the TIE Defender oh, uh, ship from Rebels, uh, Thrawn's pet project, right? Uh, mm-hmm. um, 
And I, I believe Luke was like, I haven't seen that one. And Lando had to fill him in. So Luke hasn't watched Rebels. There you go. Uh, <laughs> how did you feel about uh, that? Shout out to Rebels. I love, again, more deep cuts. And you could just, you could always hear Thrawn grinding his teeth on this should have been the project that won. Uh, and, and I love the, love the use of that then. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It is a cool design, cool detail. Um, Darth Noctis, the Lady Sith, with a scimitar lightsaber that mm. uh, the baddie here, uh, uh, Kiza, with the Exum mask, uh, ends up wielding that scimitar lightsaber. Uh, that is from a relatively recent book, the Dark Legends book uh, by George Mann, yeah. uh, which I have owned for a while, haven't found time to read. But even those uh, recent books are getting a shout out. Um mm-hmm. Acolytes of the Beyond, uh, of course, and the uh, Yup Tashu, yeah, uh, yeah. the one of uh, the uh, Emperor's sort of uh, cultist figures that we see in Return of the Jedi. We don't actually see Yup, but he is of their their kind uh, and featured in uh, the Aftermath book. Uh, it's really, really great to see them uh, clarified. How did you feel about that? I, I really enjoyed it. I, I thought the acolytes of Beyond uh, were so intriguing in, in aftermath, and and quite frankly, I probably thought there were going to be a little bit more into the storytelling. That was back in the day of when we we just kind of uh, at times understandably assumed that the books were just feeding directly into the movies we'd yet to see, right? Um, and that necessarily wasn't the case uh, for better or for worse, however you look at it. But to have uh, have them back and have a little more exp- explanation. And there's still some room to tell some of the stories. Uh, there is a, a difference in the s- described death of, of uh, Tashu here versus what we thought we got. And I think I, I did see a comment of, um, yeah, there's a reason for that. We just can't explain it yet. So mm. uh, I, I'm intrigued by that kind of stuff. And it was, again, it was used really effectively. We, you know, we'd spent time with Kiza before. That's one of my favorite little interludes when it's like, Whoa, she just killed that dude. Like what's going on? Oh my God. And for it to come back, um, in a big way, I, I really like that. And I want more. I do want more of their storytelling. Um, Vader's blade. Was that actually Vader's blade? How did that factor into mm-hmm. some of the other stuff and just what it means to them to be, um, hunting the past, collecting the past in order to keep the past in power. You know what I mean? Like that's mm-hmm. kind of the view on it. And uh, I think, I think they're interesting and intriguing and valuable. Yeah. I mean, I think dignitary, imperial dignitary is the yes. uh, word I was looking for. That was the, you know, what they were called back in the day um, when you just uh, had the action figures of like, who's scary older person <laughs> yeah. in purple with death lips uh, talking with Palpatine. What's that about? And to have them, you know, fleshed out as like, Oh, they're his kind of uh, people that he could whisper to about these uh, horrible arcane mm-hmm. uh, objects in his, the Sith designs and all that. And, you know, tracking down, I think it's a uh, minister Hayden, right. Mm-hmm. Who's uh, involved in the fight uh, uh, unearthing the world between worlds. Um, so I always liked that about you, Tashu. Uh, so I really, really like this fleshing out. It feels like in retrospect, when the aftermath books were written, uh, Chuck Wendig was allowed to just like kind of throw a bunch of ideas out and mm-hmm. say, "We'll see where this goes." Right? Yeah. Uh, and, and we got we've got to see where Cobb Vanth went. That that third was picked up. Mm-hmm. And then when uh, Rise of Skywalker came out, we learned that oh, there's this Sith Eternal. There's this planet of the Sith, and everybody who lives there is a, a cultist. Uh, they've been there for centuries. Like, oh, is that maybe some of the acolytes of the Beyond are are they attached to the Sith Eternal? And I love the clarity here that like you know, the Sith Eternal are uh, they, they're a hardcore. They've lived on that planet forever. They're mm-hmm. uh, you know mm-hmm. m- faceless, bandaged nightmares, 
yeah. and the acolytes of the beyond are teens <laughs> <laughs> who have been convinced by a creepy old man that you can get power by you know doing some ghost hunting for me basically you know yeah like go into the scary cabin and steal this the scary necklace and it'll give you power kid it's i love now seeing that they're totally different things in both really fascinating yeah yeah yep yeah uh and i had forgot that it was literally kiza in in mm-hmm. aftermath so that, that's really really awesome to, to yeah. make her the unwitting big bad of this book yeah um moving on uh we get lando remembering moments mask from the comic book adventure yeah. uh Darth Moments Mask uh, featured prominently in the uh, Charles Soule Vader run, uh, which I thought it was really great to mention that mm-hmm. mask since this was a, a similar adventure. Well, you, uh, yeah, you would need to like it. Fit, it really, right. it's, other than a fun reference, it's also like, a, yep, yep, he would think that. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, these things happen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sometimes Sith Lords hide in masks. Yeah. Uh, okay, here's a big one. Here's one I liked: the Cap Two toy being featured. Uh, oh, yeah. If anybody's not caught up with this, very quickly, back in the day in the early '80s, uh, Kenner wanted to. Uh, find um, some ways to make some smaller budget toys. So they invented some vehicles that are not in the movies. Uh, this was uh, always my favorite. I never had mm. it, but it's my favorite. This weird little capsule uh, that bounty hunters could use to grab people. It's such a, a toy for a kid idea <laughs> that it's got a car arm that grabs you and then it puts you in a little container. <laughs> uh, and it showed up here. Some bounty hunters, uh, we're after uh, Lando in Luke, and Lando gets grabbed. How did you feel about it? Uh, it was it was uh, when I saw it. Well, first when I heard it described, I went, "Did he? Did he just?" And then the name pops up, and I went, "That is it, right?" Like I had to do a stop and do a, a search right then and there because I'm like, I'm, "I'm not dreaming this, right?" Yeah, it is. No, I, I like it. It's fun, and again, that comes from this real celebratory spot. You live this stuff uh, for so long, you didn't want to get that stuff in. It was a fun reference. Yeah, for me, that was the one that was like, yes. Yes, yeah, yeah, right, yeah, no, yeah, I, I get you, yeah, I get you. I don't care if this bumps me out of the story, because it's just uh, exactly up my uh, alley of uh, of Star Wars nerdery. We had talked about these relatively recently for something, and, and had looked at them yes, to like, yes. kind of pick a favorite, and this one was like, this is my favorite, this is one I want to find someday. Anyway, uh, moving on, uh, the droid crush uh, uh, that uh, pirates that uh, Ochi briefly uses, they're, they're also from uh, Vader Comics. Uh, we get this uh, character named Lena Graff, um, and, it's, and she is a friend of Lor Santeca. And that's pretty fascinating because that's, mm-hmm. those are some High Republic names, right? Yep. Uh, the, the Santeca clan and the Graff uh, clan are competing back in the day. So to see them being friends oh, now was yeah. fascinating. What did, what did you make of that? I just did fun reference again, another fun reference, but also uh, more storytelling to come. And, and now that we have the, that era, High Republic is so out there, so formed. And uh, now with new stories, you can really connect back to it. I'm, I'm looking forward to more of those connections. Yeah, yeah. And the same uh, first name is Lena So, mm-hmm. uh, the Chancellor in the High Republic. Speaking of which, uh, the pet of Comet named yeah. uh, Sekhmet uh, is a Targon. Mm-hmm. Uh, the same is Chancellor Lena So's uh, pets in the High Republic. Yeah. That's fun. Uh, which leads us to... Mm. Mm. <laughs> One I would like to know mm. uh, your opinion on. Uh, mm. For me, Cap Two was the height of joy from a small uh, a, a small reference, and this is one I, I saw coming a few sentences, and I was like, no, no, ow, <laughs> ow, ow, uh, having a sense of humor about it, but it's a it's a classic. Comet uh, gives Luke and Lando some hot chocolate. How did you feel about this one, Ken? 
I don't know the words. It's not conflicted. Uh, I think it's a. I think it's a, a high five for Adam Christopher here. I think. It, I think it's a good job. Uh, the uh, Timothy Zahn, heir to the empire, hot chocolate reference is one that uh, has stuck in my craw for a long time, and I don't even know why, Joseph. I don't know why. Is it because it's too real world? Maybe. I love hot chocolate, so I should be happy that it exists in this galaxy and that Lando and Luke get to enjoy it again. I don't know what it is. It's not never been one of my favorites, uh, but it's so, we're so far removed from the early 90s now uh, that for him to to really go there, uh, I, I think I would give him a high five, and then maybe that's where we leave it. <laughs> and, yeah. And you're, and you're right. No. I feel hypocritical, too, because I'm like, Cap 2, that crappy Kenner toy. Yay! A reference, a deep-cut reference that has no meaning to the bigger picture, and I shouldn't be held up on it. Boo! <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, and I think maybe that is the truth is that some of these references just come down to whether you enjoyed them or not. I yeah, loved Cap yeah. 2. Uh, all of the deepest respect to people who love those uh, Thrawn novels. I have personal friends who that was their gateway mm-hmm. to Star Wars. They wouldn't be Star yeah, Wars fans yeah. without those novels. I, I have so much respect for those novels. I want to make time to, to reread them. So I am only speaking from personal experience. Uh, when I was so thrilled, I was so desperate for Star Wars. Oh, there's some Star Wars, some new Star Wars. And I think it's right away at the beginning that uh, mm-hmm. that the spirit of Obi-Wan Kenobi appears like, well, I can't be here anymore. And I, and I was like, that's not right. I don't agree with that. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, Len is like, here's some hot chocolate. And I was like, Star Wars is not of Earth. That's too earthy. That's yeah. not right. And I'm yeah. talking about grumpy, you yeah. know, teen yeah. uh, being so hungry for Star Wars. And then one, two things that I was like, that's <laughs> not how I imagined. All right, I'll keep reading. Uh, yeah. So hot chocolate has always been for mm-hmm. me like that's too just straight up Earth. And, and yeah. it's it's one of the things I'm most fascinated by. Of Star Wars fans all have like some people can't stand Dexter's Diner because it's just a 50s yeah. diner, right? Yep. Um, yep. Some people like, hey, I like Last Jedi until uh, Poe says big ass door. Uh, you have friends who are like when Finn says you got a boyfriend, cute boyfriend. Like, what yeah. is this? Yeah. Is this I'm, a I'm an eighties rom com? What is yep. this? You yep. know, like, yep. everybody has their different moments where that's too real world and they get bumped. Yeah. For me, hot chocolate is like no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, again, yeah, I can't put my finger on it, and it doesn't hold me up anymore at all. But I, yeah, I was like you, like you too, for for a long time. But there it is. It's still alive. We're all drinking hot chocolate in this galaxy. It's still alive. I went on a long emer- emotional journey, but like mm-hmm. I when it was, it was just like it was the buildup. Uh, mm-hmm. it, you know, Adam Christopher was having fun with it. It was well done because it was this wink and nod of like, yeah. if you know this moment from that book, we're building up to it. Oh, this interesting fluid. It's described mm-hmm. like this. It's called hot chocolate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, just a few more. Uh, we learned that uh, Comet found uh, hyperspace uh, tracking research uh, smuggled off of Scarif when she was with the Acolytes of the Beyond. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is great because that's what we hear Jen re- reference yep. at in Rogue One, of course. Uh, there's a lot in the book that is about this technology called hyperwave signal interception, that if you have uh, these different uh, uh, elements of a ship's signature, that you can tap into this Imperial scanning network and find the ship uh, where it pops up. Luke kind of indicates that the Imperial's uh, uh, scanning network is beginning to fall apart, so this isn't going to work forever. But honestly, for me, this was one of those how questions that Mm -hmm. I did kind of like, that I had the headcanon of, oh, some version of hyperwave signal interception is how Han uh, and Chewie were scanning for the Falcon Mm -hmm. at all times in The Force Awakens. Mm -hmm. 
Mm, I like that. No, I, that's I like that. Yeah, another little detail I've uh, kept, kept that's kept me up at night. But uh, now that I now I can sleep knowing that. No, I like that. We're thinking <laughs> that. Thinking that. No, no, uh, yeah. Good. Good. Uh, Lando, of course, the does the Calrissian Chronicles review we yeah. talked about, and of course, it ends with uh, Lando doing this exaggerated story for a new chapter of audio only Calrissian Chronicles. Uh, any of those other moments that you want to talk uh, about? Uh, any that uh, I, I know that there are some that I missed, but any that you want to touch on? No, no, all good. I, I do like the Lando one restarting his podcast because uh, you know, as, if we ever do get to a Lando series, I do expect and want that to be part of it. So, uh, you know, <sighs> yeah. Yeah, I would be thrilled if it was just called the Calrissian Chronicles. Mm-hmm. That would be so great. Absolutely. Uh, so we talked about a lot of moments as we talked about themes in canon, but are there any other moments, uh, whether they're just fun or impactful moments that we haven't touched on that you wanted to be sure to uh, discuss or shout out? I just, I did, we mentioned earlier, there's a lot of use of the, of the, the word void and the sounds of silence and what that does. And I don't know, I've been doing a lot of hikes lately lately. And so it's like, you get up to the top of the hill and there's silence, but man, that silence is loud. Cause it's just you. Uh, and, uh, Kiza talks about the, the void and, and how it isn't silent. And then Lando heals in the silence. Luke faces a void. I just thought a lot of that mm. imagery, a lot of that, uh, was, it was pretty effective star Wars, uh, storytelling and, and themes for me. Yeah, no, I love that you're pulling that out and that that contrast of uh, sometimes the the quiet and the peace can be restorative and sometimes it is like this horrifying absence. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really, really great to, to think about what makes that difference. A um, couple just specific scenes and beats that I really, really liked. Um, I really loved the, the whole scene with Beaumont Kin and that the there was this sense of ego, right? That there's this desperation mm-hmm. to find something and to have his dig go good. And then we see this really angry entitled character, uh, Miko yeah. Haswell, it's totally relatable to real life stuff, right? Like, like I'm, I'm better, I'm older, I don't get right. enough uh, respect. And then he's the one who finds these shattered Sith crystals. And because of those understandable, relatable, mm-hmm. but kind of dark side feelings. <laughs> yeah. He, he is, he's, you know, pulled in by the anger mm-hmm. of the Sith crystals. So that's a really fun little scene and beat all by itself. But I just love this picture of Luke coming in and trying to help him. Uh, he, he tries to get through with him. He uses the force uh, on him to make mm-hmm. sure that he doesn't hurt other people. And there's this great uh, passage on page 101 uh, where Luke is talking about holding uh, Miko in place so he doesn't hurt people. And it says, such was the well of energy Luke could draw on that the slightest drop in his concentration could kill the man. Sometimes mm-hmm. powerful was too powerful. Yeah. Oh, is it, it and then that the scene that that the fact that that scene ends on Luke using the force to calm and reassure him and kind of see into his soul and seeing like uh, you're you're lonely and bitter and you don't even realize how much you're respected. Let me help mm. you feel that. Yeah, uh, just that little like that could have just been a short story about the force, right? <laughs> totally disconnected. Mm. It, it, it ties into the themes, but I just love that whole section because it's Luke's like I want to use the force to calm to mm. reassure to help, to defend. But then there's also this like, it's a responsibility and I'm so powerful if I drop my concentration for a moment, instead of holding him in place so he doesn't help others, I could shatter his rib cage. Uh, yeah. That was just a really interesting perspective to, to put you in Luke Skywalker's Jedi Master boots. Yeah, no, especially at this point in his life, it, it, it's not about 
just about pulling star stories out of the sky, right? And this is the this is how you'd want it. You'd want to be aware of your power and and perhaps use it. So yeah, no great stuff. And it's also could just be like how to navigate uh, trying to pursue podcast success in the Star Wars <laughs> exactly. world. Don't, don't let yourself get better. Yeah, in that scene where we're at the end, where where you know it, it doesn't go bad, Luke is able to to help this man and reassure him. It's it's it ties really into me to what Grogu gets from his time with Luke, uh, in the way Grogu is able to reach out and reassure the Rancor, and it's really beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Um, just a couple other quick ones. Uh, so much great Luke and Lando stuff, but around page one forty five, where uh, Lando has poured a drink for Luke, <laughs> mm. and Luke uh, doesn't take it, and they have uh, you know kind of fun banter about uh, Lando being like, "You're still flying around that T sixty five and like, yes. Luke's like it's yes. a classic, like just great, <laughs> great banter. And then when Luke leaves and says, "You know, thanks for the drink," after not drinking it, ah. And then Lando slams it. I just loved it. it just- uh, and the two of them together, it's this really odd couple pairing that's been highlighted uh, a lot uh, going into this book by a lot of uh, a lot of people out there, us included. And and just them, you know, there's a couple moments with Luke kind of looking around his ship, and you know, Lando keeps it uh, keeps it keeps it pretty clean. Which again, if your best friend is Han for many years, and you're in the you know, and then Han's like, yeah, Lando had ruined the ship before me. It was too clean. And yeah, I, I could, I'd lo- I love the difference between them two. It worked really well. And we talked about it. It was just fun to have them together after all these years. And they're, they're the two friends that didn't get to hang out that much. Yeah. And talking about their closeness and the, the hug that, that Luke gives Lando when he just breaks down with the, the pain of it all. And like, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's so, so much great stuff. Uh, yeah. There's a, a ton of other moments, but this podcast is already uh, a, an epic one. Yeah. So last moment I'm going to share is a very small one. I believe it's on page 164. Uh, Ray offers the last of her ration bar to her father. Yes, I know. Yes. One of the things that I love about Rise of Skywalker is Ray is so torn up and so much like Luke, afraid of her power of will I accidentally use it in the wrong way? Will I hurt the, the mm-hmm. members of this new family I've found? Will I hurt the galaxy? Uh, and torn up about finding out about her connection uh, to Palpatine. But then also throughout the movie, we see again and again when she's really faced with it, she chooses kindness. She heals the Vexus. She's kind to Dio. All, all the things we've talked about. And I love just seeing this little tiny ember of like, that's who you are. Mm-hmm. That's y- you got some well-earned anger because of the bad things you went through in life too. But uh, in your heart of hearts, your spirit, you're such a kind person, Ray. Yeah. It, it uh, was such a, Ray was, Ray was a, a character in this, you know what I mean? She, she was an yeah. actual character for me and you get to spend uh, more time than I thought we would with the parents, as I said earlier, but even Ray. Uh, and uh, just, it just made the ending uh, even that much more sad. Really sad. Yeah. Really sad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, any other moments or shall we move on to our wrap up? Well, you mentioned it a little bit. I said some of the stuff in the end, just when I would uh, encourage all of, if, if you're going to go through a, a reread of this, I would, I would encourage all of you to focus on some of the stuff with Lando at the end and him breaking down and the, and the guilt and the shame and the power, the pressure and all that stuff on him. And just, uh, you know, we make a nap joke, joke, uh, take a nap Lando, but like, the center himself, find himself. You met Luke holding him as he cries. Like it, it's pretty powerful stuff, especially from a, such a strong, uh, almost stereotypical macho character in the eighties. Uh, even though Lando was always more than that. Uh, I enjoyed, uh, enjoyed all that stuff at the end with Comet, Lando and Luke. Yeah, no, it's really, really powerful, really important stuff. And I, I could feel it in my bones that Lando needed that time to take a deep breath, that space to just be and mm-hmm. heal and be honest with himself about the trauma he'd been through and heal. And, yep. you know, 
Uh, I was moved and jealous. I would like a week at Comats. <laughs> yes, yes. I think I would too. Uh, so uh, any other Lando or Luke stories you're hoping to see either in book form or non-book form uh, after going through this adventure? Did it leave you hungry for anything else in specific? Yeah, look, I definitely want a sequel to this book. And, and that might mean you have two books because it goes in different directions. Lando trying to find his daughter with Pisana as his uh, new home uh, and base of operations. Luke going out, out to the galaxy trying to find this this child, but the darkness is growing and, and he and Ben have their uh, relationship growing and maybe changing. I, I think absolutely. This this book was so hotly uh, anticipated because it was sequel era storytelling in, in time periods that we hadn't uh, explored yet, right? And there's so much fertile ground. So much. So I, I really do hope I think this book has received well. It's sold well. Um, it's a bestseller, right? I, I think so. It's a mm-hmm. good sign of just maybe we get some more when the time's right um, to, to just explore these characters more. And, and Luke and Lando being so key to uh, that that era, uh, you know, I'm all, I'm all for it in any way, shape or form. Yeah, me too. I, I think for me, you know, if an animated series is not uh, in in the works, uh, is not possible, hey, wouldn't it be great to have a, a new canon series of Luke's uh, Jedi Order yeah. uh, in, in this version of the story? It would be really, really great. I would love that in, in any uh, shape or form. Um, I really feel like one of the big uh, things that this book left me hungry for is the story of Lando's daughter, right? Yes. Um, yeah. And that could be tied up in... Uh, Lando and in Jana, you know, mm-hmm. heading out to to find where Jana came from and encountering Kadara, you know, wondering about what what where does Finn's passions lie? You know, mm-hmm. is is he on a, you know, such a, an intuitive uh, force user? Is he, you know, go is is Finn going to Tython and reaching out to find every lost child? You yeah, know? yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. who who does Lando's daughter end up being, knowing that we she is of Lando, but she clearly went through some tragedy? Like, I want to yeah. meet adult. Kadara Calrissian very much in in some form, mm-hmm. uh, whether that's a part of a Lando television show, whether that's the the book uh, Kadara, mm-hmm. uh, the future bestseller. Uh, mm-hmm. I just want to meet Lando's daughter. Yeah, no, and and I know that there was some thought that the, you know Jana might might you know might have been planned to be his daughter, whatever it was. Uh, I, I'm I'm really happy with what we got because I think that works in a different way in the movie for me, and this allows us to have uh, more time to tell that story. I really, really agree. I know this came out of all of this storytelling about the the First Order stealing, targeting uh, heroes uh, to break them down to steal their kids specifically while they also, you know, stole uh, lots of other children across the galaxy. Um, I know that all came from uh, early versions of Rise of Skywalker, but boy, do I love Janna just being Janna mm-hmm. and Lando's kindness just being kindness to a young person who doesn't know where she came from. Uh, There wasn't room in Rise of Skywalker to give it the weight and respect that that story deserved. Uh, And I'm much happier to have it here in a book and in future storytelling. Yeah, no, absolutely agree. Any of the other uh, new characters that you'd like to see again? I really, I tell you what, Keith is an interesting character because we know where she kind of starts out. Um, and this would be a story about going back, obviously. But I really believe that with, not, with the Acolytes, and I think you described them well, but with Yuptashu uh, and everything, there's there's definitely some things to tell there. Uh, I don't know in what form. It's not going to be its own show. I don't necessarily think it would be its own book. Maybe it's some comic series. I don't know. Uh, there's something tragic. There's something really painful, really sad. And um just a different kind of version of a dark side story. So we'd love to see a little bit more of Kiza. Yeah, that would be great. Uh, I would love to see Comet. I would love to get to actually see the, the story yeah. of how, how Luke helped her. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what was the, what was the 
uh, uh, wedge in her soul that that was able that Luke was able to get in and, mm-hmm. and help her, right? Um, mm-hmm. And also just going forward, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Got a we've got a cool character with a a blazing white lightsaber that's been purified. Yeah. Uh, I would love to spend more time with that character. I, I thought she was really fascinating. Yeah, well, and those two ideas, those, those they pair nicely, don't they? Uh, Kiza yeah. and Comat. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Sign us up for Kiza and Comat. Uh, <laughs> the acolytes of the beyond story. Uh, we always like to wrap up with just a fun question. So Ken, if there was a museum on Exegol, would you visit it? Oh man, look, I'd be interested to see what's going on there, but I, you know, I'm not going to the gift shop at Mordor either. So no, I'm staying away. <laughs> I like the planet and concept, but I'm not going there. Uh, this is for me a virtual tour. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would be happy go. for there to be a display. I will watch uh, at home from the safety of the hollow net. Any final thoughts on Shadow of the Sith? Uh, big book, big review, big discussion here. Uh, I'm excited it's there. Uh, it, it's worth a revisit. Um, I thought I was going to have a, more, a chance to do that. I, I started reading this book so early, I thought I was going to wrap it up and almost read it a second time. Uh, then I, life just got in the way, but I still might. Uh, I'll put it on that list of uh, dream, uh, you know, the Star Wars dream I have to reread some of these books. I don't ever have the time, but uh, this is one of them. Glad it exists, and I hope it opens up a new era in sequel uh, era storytelling. Yeah, same thing. I I hope uh, that it is, you know, visited by people who love the sequels. I hope it is uh, read by people who have their doubts and it opens up uh, interest in exploring the themes and ideas of the sequel trilogy and answering uh, some of the questions and making some of the ideas richer and all those things. And I would love to reread this book, but even if I don't have time to reread this book, I'm going to keep this one nice and accessible because there are a bunch of specific scenes Mm -hmm. that I would love to revisit. Even just trying to kind of find uh, the notes and the quotes, I got real distracted (laughs) just reading specific scenes that are really, really powerful. So a big thumbs up on Shadow of the Sith. And with that, Ken, where can people find us? Hey, we're the Force Center Podcast feed. We can be found on Twitter at Force Center Pod. We're on Instagram and YouTube as well. Yeah, we mentioned earlier, we got a, a little a Lessons from Little Le- Essay on there, more on the way, a live show coming. We rebroadcast the episode. So check out uh, the YouTube page. Subscribe if you want. Facebook page is Force Center Podcast. We're available on a lot of spots, including Acast, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and more. Merch is available at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. And you can support us directly at patreon.com slash force center. You can follow me at Ken Napsock or go to my website, kenapsock.com. Uh, I got a couple of big comedy shows coming up. If you're down in San Diego for San Diego Comic-Con, I'll be at the American Comedy Company, uh, part of the Mark Ellison Friends Comedy Show on uh, that Thursday night, 8 p.m. And a big one uh, in Burbank soon coming up on July 30th. Details will be on the website. Joseph, where can they find you? Yeah, you can find me on all the social media. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshaw. Check out uh, my sharing of my action figures that I'm not opening. I do open some, uh, but I'm sharing the ones that I'm not opening. You can also go to my website, josephscrimshot.com, for all my other comedy adventures. If you are attending the convention in my hometown of Minneapolis that is called Convergence in August, I will be doing a new stand-up show and some other fun panels there. So uh, that is all on my website, josephscrimshot.com, specifically on the live shows page. But for now, for myself, for Ken, for Beaumont Ken, this has been Force Center.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.